0: Welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies. I am Chris Gullo, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello. And, of course, this is the podcast where we dive deep into independent wrestling history topics every month. And we've been on a journey, you could say, an adventure, a very interesting one with lots of different type of elements and stories. That is... XPW, and uh, we're going to do part three of our XPW series, which could be the final part. We'll see how it goes <laughs> and how, how recording goes today. Oh, we might have one more in the can here. Um, but uh, first off, before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody, all you listening out there. Um, we our listening base has skyrocketed. We did more than double uh, of our listeners in the month of April that we did in the month of March. So we really want to thank. All you uh, out there spreading the word of the podcast and and sharing stuff, and we just really really appreciative. And of course, you know you can listen to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, and of course on the BICBP uh, radio network website. But we just want I just want to give a thank you to everyone out there listening, supporting. We've had some pretty. High prolific people kind of share our stuff and tweet our stuff. You know, we're going to continue this XBW adventure, at least this show, maybe another show. And we got some really cool stuff. And I also want to put a question out to you guys. And you can hit us up on uh, Facebook, uh, Rediscovering Indies, Instagram, Rediscovering Indies, and Twitter, RTI Pod. If we did a Patreon, what do you want to see? You know, so we have we have some ideas of launching a Patreon. We haven't officially done it yet, but we're thinking about maybe interviews with independent wrestling people, history, or maybe short episodes on small promotions that don't have this long history. You know, just maybe quips like how ESPN thirty for thirty does little shorts. You know, little quip stories. Yes,
1: uh, we we have a few ideas. Some ideas that might uh, force us to invest a lot more time or invest money into maybe traveling and doing doing some uh on on the road uh on the road podcast or on the road interviews which is why like we've just we've talked about doing a podcast if there's interest out there just to just to help fund some of these adventures that we would do
0: yeah so if if you if you are if you would subscribe to a patreon like that let us know and then if you have any ideas for a patreon like that let us know but um we'll kind of get right into it uh XPW, where we left off, was the pretty much the aftermath of the free fall, where New Jack does throw Vic Grimes, and he goes all the way through all the tables. Just to recap how bad the ending was, he just stood there, no paramedics helping him, he just stood there continuing to sell.
1: In, in and, classic wrestling style, you just, you, you, you sell, you just don't move. And the crowd
0: was already in a bad mood, because XPW promised naked women, and it never happened in the Buck Naked match.
1: They they got the lights off and lights come back on and oh she was naked. Two thousand two people, <laughs> different different
0: uh, different time period. But uh, um, so with two thousand two here uh, we are going to get right back into it and boy are we starting off hot here, Ash. So uh, <laughs> this is from Figure Four Weekly from Brian Alvarez. XBW owner Rob Black did a promotional stunt last week where he claimed on his porn website that he was going to feed a chihuahua to a Burmese python and that paying members would be able to see the footage of it on Friday. A shockingly large number of wrestling writers on the internet fell for this, and most of them uh, wrote outrage columns, which included a link to the website so you could verify the claims for yourself. Of course, all this accomplished was to push an extraordinary amount of traffic towards the site, and in the end, the dog was never fed.
1: So that would have been something that you would see on Patreon now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes. a Patreon only fans idea right there.
0: <laughs> um this is and, and I mentioned this on a last show when we were talking. Rob Black n- never really knew how to separate, you know, I guess for lack of better words, church and state, right? So like, yes, porn made his money, but he Really, tried to bring elements into it in x p w and then kind of used the the occult popularity of x p w for more of his porn stuff, you know what i mean like and you know, trying to get all the all, all these people like, look, I'm going to feed. It. But he's targeting towards wrestling writers because he doesn't say journalists were there or anything like that. Why would they care about your porn site? Like, you know what I mean? But they're.
1: But of course, Dateline wasn't picking this up. No. Like, Good Morning America was not talking about this. <laughs> no, no one. So like,
0: he just. That's the thing about Rob Black, where if he would have been able to separate the two completely, because there are so many. Like, you don't see other than OKS. Okay, yes, we've seen mascot and cheerleaders, but Tony Khan doesn't have XP or doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have Jacksonville Jaguars people all over you know every week like on aew No, it it it, it doesn't happen and Nornholm doesn't have you know his people does have multiple access TV or people from his energy company that I, I, I can't remember what the company he owns but they're not
1: popping up on impact from fight from they don't have fight executives yet. yeah <laughs> It, 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 my point is is that... If you own multiple businesses, it's smart, especially for wrestling, to keep them separate. Yes, absolutely. Dixie Carter didn't have Panda Energy employees out out there. It, Universal employees <laughs> playing playing spots, but... Vince tried blending
0: XFL and WWE, and how did that work?
1: It didn't work on the XFL side. Now, if you would have brought XFL players into WWE... He was,
0: hate me. Should have had a, an appearance or two on uh, yeah, Raw yeah. or SmackDown. Yeah.
1: yeah, but no, I I fully understand what you mean. Like, there's there's a fine line there, and you don't really want to mix it. And I think he overextended, thinking fans, li- like porn fans and wrestling fans, are the same, which they're really not. Like a lot of smart, a lot of smart indie fans, even like even to this day, I don't think a lot of them are porn users or porn viewers
2: uh,
0: if we're counting only fans as porn uh, there's a reason why there's a lot of female wrestling personalities with only fans
1: okay let me let me rephrase that let me rephrase that, like, like, me rephrase that. Uh, and nothing gets and i think nothing gets, i'm just i think there's I, I think like there's more of a crossover between mma and adult film with fans then i think with wrestling it's more of a crossover with comic books i oh. think there is a there is there are indie fans that do enjoy porn yet nothing wrong with that but i think there's a bigger crossover with indie fans and comic books i think with porn
0: it's one of those we know everybody does it but don't talk about it things so like you can't be like oh yeah i'm going to use this space to help my porn industry and i'm going to help my porn industry help my wrestling because people Aren't there's not a lot of people out there in modern day. It's a little different, but we're talking 2002.
1: No, people, there's there's no shame nowadays no, on the internet. But
0: nobody's nobody in 2002 really was going to be like, I love pornography. Like say it to their neighbors and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough. Wrestling has that stigma sometimes. Like people are embarrassed to like wrestling. People aren't running out saying, I love pornography. So to like to be like, oh. You have to keep them separate. You run your porn industry, and you run your wrestling industry. Yeah, even if some of those wrestling fans could be porn customers, they'll find out. They're, it's you know,
1: yeah. No, I I understand. I it kind of goes in the same route of like a girl's gone wild. Like that was big, and WWE kind of like tried to get that audience in the Attitude Era, but not a lot of people even admitted to like buying a girl's gone wild VHS. That was still, like, kind of taboo.
0: And that guy made millions and millions of dollars, so they were bought. <laughs>
1: they were know? bought, and the pay-per-views were bought, too, but they're, you're not telling your family that, hey, I just ordered a Girls on a Wild pay-per-view.
0: Exactly. So um, we'll, we'll move on to... Uh April, let's see here. April 8th, 2002. Xpw on its TV show this week claimed uh, that owner Rob Black had suffered a severe stroke while editing a porn movie. The claim was that he was rushed to Granada Hills Hospital and was in critical condition. They also pushed it hard on their website, insisting, unlike their last hoax, that this one was real. Evidently, it was a pathetic publicity stunt, as there are no records of a patient named Rob Black or Rob Zakari at the hospital. This is from Dave, by the way. Um, So... All right, so the Chihuahua stuff didn't work. Let, let's 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 fake a stroke.
1: <laughs> and there, I mean, I get it. The, I have seen pictures of him in a wheelchair. So like they tried to they tried to sell this. I mean, do you
0: think the negative publicity from New Jack and Vic Grimes? He was just trying to change the narrative, get people's mind off it.
1: I like, mean, it's definitely a possibility. Or I can go a different route and say. He or, he shocked people with the New Jack, Vic Grimes incident. He's trying to continue that shock factor.
0: He's doubling down.
1: Yeah. Because we look at the Vic Grimes incident in February. The Chihuahua was in March. This is April. I think he's just trying to top everything he's doing, just trying to keep his name out there. Whether, whether it was in the dirt sheets or on the internet or wherever, yeah, he's trying to stay relevant. Which, which, again, like in early 2002, as we've highlighted on other shows like APW, uh, other shows that we've done, like this is, re- this is really a bad time for indies. Like nobody's really drawing from like 2001, 2002, even top indies. The, this is Especially, a like, this rebuilding is, period for yeah,
0: sure, yes. The pre-Ring of Honor era too. Uh, April twenty second 2002, CZW on its April 13th at the ECW arena drew one of their smaller crowds, estimated 600 for Justice Payne over Nick Mondo in one of those brawls with thumbtacks on the mat. Messiah of XPW cut a promo, apparently legit, saying he was supposed to f- face chaos of XPW, but Rob Black canceled the booking. Most of the XPW wrestlers, in Chaos, work for Black's Porn Company, and it's not like he's just a guy who gives him an indie booking once a month. So when he doesn't want them to go, that affects their so-called real jobs as well. Shane Douglas did do an interview with Alex Marvez about returning to wrestling now that his Time Warner deal has expired this week. He started doing a regular indie schedule at the end of the month. He said he was thankful to... Take time off uh, because of his contract, particularly since WCW folded uh, right before his first son was born. He could spend the first year at home with him. Uh, he talked about the offer to book XPW, but didn't know if they would come up with the money to hire him. Plus the problem of time consumption because it would be a 60-hour-a-week job, plus having to fly to Los Angeles from Pittsburgh. He also said that he's talked with WF, but given the impression the talks were pro- preliminary.
1: Now, um, Shane's a nice guy, but I— I don't know. I think he's exaggerating with saying booking an indie fed is a sixty-hour a week job. A lot can go into booking an indie fed, but you're not. It's not a full time job. I know indie promoters that book it that day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we work for a lot of them. Oh, but I the, don't have a card. <laughs> who's showing up? Yes.
0: Yeah. Like you don't know. Yeah.
1: I worked for. Well, we both worked for a company. You weren't there at this point, but one where the show was supposed to start at seven. Seven fifteen th- there's still no card where uh I' just say what our, our, our good friend Ron Falco takes uh goes to the promoter and be like, all right what matches what matches what's the match you're doing and what's the match that you that you want and the proto gives them like the three matches and then Ron just goes through and just fills out everyone else's name and books the card because at that point we're all sick of waiting or like the show's supposed to start no one knows what they're doing. But going along with that, like, I've there, – there's indies out there that actually do put some effort into it. Like, I've worked – I've been on a booking committee for a local fed that tried that and put a lot of effort into it. But we were only meeting – we had monthly shows, and we probably met for two times leading up to that show. And then, like, emails back and forth, obviously, and text messages. But no way there was – it wasn't 60 hours a week. So I think I think he's just exaggerating on that. Um, but going back to what we were talking about, going back to the other paragraph too about, uh, going back about Messiah, um, and that goes back to an earlier episode when we were talking about with uh, Marquez, Dave Marquez, where he said yeah. when you work for XPW, you have to work for the porn side too. You can't just be Arrestor. You can't just be a local guy. You can't just do production. You got to do everything. So when you take that into account, Messiah leaving, I could see the bad blood for that because it wasn't just losing an indie booking that he could easily replace. He's losing – if he's working for the porn side, he's losing a full-time job. And and, and yeah, and, and Chaos was one of those
0: guys that didn't really travel outside of California anyways. Like – so it it could have been one and, and it could be one of those things. And as someone is independent bookings and you're offered something and, you know, in your heart, you don't want to do it. But then you find that logistical reason, too. So he could have been in his heart. he be like, I don't know if I want to travel from California to Philadelphia. And I'm saying, I don't know the guy. I'm just saying. And then he goes and then and then he goes, oh, yeah. And plus, I work for Rob Black and he's not going to allow it.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, that's looking at it too. that. If Rob, if Rob Black wanted to have exclusive deals with guys, he basically could have exclusive deals because <laughs> he could tell he could tell workers if they work for his porn side, like I, I'll fire you from Extreme Associates if you if you go work there, and that they can. They're an independent contractor, but it's going to cost them their full time gig. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you know, I do
0: love when modern independent wrestling fans listen to our podcast and they they're learning about this early days of it, of modern independent wrestling history. As we've said before, and I've said this on multiple shows, California was an island to itself. I think there is an impression that Rob Black did have a lot of these guys under exclusive contracts because none of these guys mingled over into CCW and IWA Mid-South Yeah, and, and Jersey All-Pro. They didn't mingle over there. Yeah, maybe some of it was to do with like chaos working with the porn company and all that. But a lot of it was we're, we just talked about it. Indie wrestling wasn't very profitable at this time. A flight from California to New York is not cheap. You're looking at four to five hundred bucks for a round trip, and then on top of that, you got to put the guy up. I mean, maybe de- you know it's deaf match guys want to stay at somebody's couch, whatever. I know that happens too. But still, like it's not a cheap venture to bring somebody out there. So, Rob Black had this advantage of being in California where his guys really didn't work elsewhere like that. They popped up in stuff in California, but no no other deathmatch match feds for the most part. yeah,
1: flights were not common for indie wrestlers that's something that's popped up in the last five to ten years, maybe, yeah, but even that even that like a guy was- like
0: Hammerstone isn't all over the in the the United States in 2008. Yeah. It split along 2002. Well, even that, and Amazon's know, awesome. Like,
1: even in 2010, it was mostly like guys working in Ring of Honor. You had to be a top-tier indie guy to, yep. be, fly, to be paid to fly. And now, like, you, you just, you don't need to be a huge name. Now it's common. I remember 10, 15 years ago, like hearing if I'm working for a Fed and hearing that they're flying someone in, an indie guy, it was a big deal cuz that doesn't happen and usually it's a bunch of feds working together with working together trying to like share the cost of a flight to bring someone in cuz most of the time it's driving and even that you're kind of hesitant to pay for a guy because there really wasn't that many big draws back in back in this era the early 2000s mid 2000s so a lot of promoters didn't want to justify that especially before youtube before on demand it was hard to try to it was hard to try to get fans to understand like a certain guy like a chaos like a supreme like a messiah like hey this guy's big this guy's a big deal i think we've noticed that when we did our uh super eight tournament uh a lot of like they were kind of ecw uh ecwa were kind of like an island unto themselves as well with that where like they will bring in once a year. We bring in a bunch of indie names that a lot of people didn't hear of, and they spent money. But like that, along with like Ring of Honor, along with like APW, kind of like jump started that
0: twenty fifth anniversary they just had, by the way, of the uh, ECW uh, Super Eight. So. And it looks like a, they had a great show. So congratulations. And they were really supportive of the episode we did for that mod. Uh, so, uh,
1: Mr. Oolala, once again, on top of the Yeah, Mr. Oolala's ECW.
0: World. And it took him 30 years to, to do that. So congrats to Mr. Oolala, fr- friend and fan of the show, <laughs> I would hope. I would hope. Uh, so uh, yeah, so let's get into XCW Genocide, April 22, 2002 at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. We had a two uh, or sorry three on two handicap match. Larry Rivera and Pogo the Clown defeated the SoCal Wrestling Union of American Wild Child, Dynamite D, and Street Style. We had which I really this I want to watch this. Chris Hamrick defeating Psychosis, um, Hubertun Guerrero and Vinny Massaro with Lady Victoria defeated Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien Sissay and Halloween. Scott Snot defeated Shooting Star. The masked man and New Jack went to a no contest. Uh, Vic Grimes defeated Evan Courageous. It's crazy that he's working <laughs> like less than two months. Uh, and what a weird match, Vic Grimes and Evan Courageous. You know, we like to send each other weird matches that happen. I think this is this is
1: what didn't we just talk about that like a few days ago? You mentioned like why didn't Evan Courageous ever get out there? Yeah, and I flat out said because he wasn't good, but uh, because
0: there is this secret love, like everybody, you know, hate like it's cool to hate on 2000, 2001 WCW, right? Yeah. But what I have noticed is there is this underlying love for those cruiserweights. Because it really wasn't their fault that the booking was crap. Yeah. But you're talking the Kidmans, the Mysterios. Lash LaRue. The Lash LaRue's, the, even the Lodies, and then your, your Jung Dragons, your Three Count, you know, Air Paris, AJ Styles. There's a love for Kid Romeo, <laughs> Elix Skipper, but, there's the, but there's, there is yeah. a there is an underlying love. And not all these guys are, you know, but there's underlying love for that. And you see, like, throughout the 2000s, those guys would... Would get opportunities and booked, even still to this day, you know, people love, you know, booking those type of wrestlers. And, uh, but yeah, Evan Courageous was, you know, him and Kid Romeo.
1: <laughs> they, they, they I think heard. Kid Romeo did a, li- a he, little he bit. Was, he stuck around a little bit on the indies after that, but like, yeah, Evan Courageous, Wasn't Evan Courageous a power plant guy? I think so. Yeah, so like a lot of so those So he power- wasn't a guy that, like, he wasn't I don't know if he was guy. a
0: canyon discovery.
1: Plus, I. Three Count, I see Shane Helms and Shannon Moore are the, the breakout guys. So I think if Evan Courageous was on his own more, like he wasn't before. Three Count, look at like, the Young
0: Dragons. I mean, Jamie Nobles. Jamie Noble. Kaz- Jamie Noble broke off, broke,
1: broke, yeah. off, broke off and did his own thing in WWE. But
0: but Kazayashi, yeah, maybe he didn't have a big in-states career, but he, he went on and still crushed it in Japan yeah. for years. And, he, and Kazayashi is one of those guys that if you brought him over for a Mania weekend – Fans would go nuts,
1: and then I think Kazuyashi might might be like the most successful. And then, out G- of and then Jimmy the inter- Yang, mean, he, he had
0: a great WWE run, and Jimmy Yang was under he was a great wrestler that I think people don't talk about enough. And actually, his daughter's wrestling now. He's like tag teaming with his daughter. I saw on a mixed tag match in Cincinnati. So <laughs> like, it's crazy. Jimmy Young has a a daughter old enough to wrestle, like. It makes you feel old. Like you remember,
1: Jimmy young, Yang was this young up and comer. What side note? I did recently find out that Bobby Cannon's son is wrestling. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I found that out too, and and
0: he doesn't wrestle like his dad. And has a different style and everything. It's crazy.
1: Like I'm just, I just I can't wait for the indie tag matches between them, of them, the tag team of Bobby Cannon and his son. Because Bull is one of those guys that
0: does pop up here and there like I, I know you know I, he'll pop up in like Georgia Indies and, and wrestle so um, alright so so yeah and then, and then the Genocide War Games we just had blood and guts well Genocide War Games was doing it 19 years before the Enterprise of GQ Money Chaos, Steve Rezano, the Sandman and Veronica Kane defeated the Black Army, Angel, Johnny Webb, Lizzie Borden, Asawa and there's Vic Grimes again working double duty two months after he almost died <laughs> um i'll tell you though and i've said this before the xbw like main xbw guys you don't hear a lot about you know your chaos and 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 your angels and your jotty webs like they didn't really have like careers outside of xbw but if you look at the people they're booking outside of that realm it's pretty freaking impressive like they got Hoovy. they got Psychosis, they got Chris Hamrick, Damian Say. they got Halloween. I mean, even Evan Courageous at the time, you know, um, and Nasawa. Like, I mean, it's the,
1: they have a very solid roster.
0: Yeah, they have a very very solid. Like their their non like hometown grown talent are really good, and not guys that are like busting your budget, you know.
1: And again, most of these, most of the guys that work, they're booking a lot of the Mexican talent. You're in Los Angeles. That's so not that far uh, to bring them in. It's not like you're running a fed minis. So like you're it, plus you're collecting, you're, you're bringing in the, the fan base, you are bringing in the Hispanic fan base with that too.
0: Um, April 29, 2002, uh, from the observer in what no doubt when most disgusting angle this year, uh, except in XPW words, this sort of stuff expected. Owner Rob Black appeared on TV selling his work. Stroke doing a skit where he was doing a remake of the scene from the Larry Flint movie, where Lizzie Borden played Flint's strung out wife that everyone hates and screaming, "I'm back, I'm back." The the people versus Larry Flint though, was a big deal uh, at that time. Uh, that was a, Woody Harrelson did a very good
1: job. I mean, it's kind of foreshadowing the the. The lawsuits later on
0: uh-huh. oh yeah oh yeah it is it's definitely foreshadowing here um wow <laughs> you think about it <laughs> they're coming america's coming after you next round. <laughs> um <laughs> this is for the May 6th Observer. They give results for that show on April 27th, and then here's some comments here. There was something of a wrestling war over the weekend at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. XPW ran on April 27th and drew a little under 1,000 for a show that includes Sandman, New Jack, Vic Grimes with his first uh, match back for the promotion since taking a scaffold bump, Psychosis, which it's funny, though, because it was the first show after the scaffold bump, <laughs> Psychosis, to Guerrero, Damian Halloween, uh, and Evan Courageous, headlined by a War Game-style match. Which featured a bump off the top of the cage for two tables by Angel and a plancha off the top of the cage to the floor by GQ and on to him and several other catchers. Azteca Promotion ran its second show this next night, catering to a nostalgic crowd of 2,600 and 2,300 paid using Mill Mascaras and Tenable Sr., both 63, and Rayo Gelasco uh, De La, De Jr., a spry youthful babyface at 42. <laughs> Over Rey Mysterio and Scorpio Jr. and Apollo Dantes on top. Azteca returns on May eighteenth, which will include what is probably the first Volanos versus Brazos match ever in the United States, and it's something that I hear on other wrestling podcasts. But it's funny when when wrestling is down, lucha libre business is up. It's it, at least in the states, like. When wrestling was really down in 93, 94, you hear about these lucha shows in like Chicago and Lo- in Los Angeles. That Los Angeles,
1: one, yeah. The Waltz Clyde yeah, one did th- th-
0: huge. Thousands of people. And then here, 2002, we're talking. I mean, now we're getting under 1,000 for XPW. CZW is at 600. The-, the Attitude Era rub is is, is died. And 2,600 people. <laughs> like
1: it, Compared it, to like also in the same building, the Knights. Like, yeah, that's what's that? Triple? Oh, it, close to triple Yeah, what? almost close to triple yeah. yeah like it's it's i don't want to say it's amazing or ridiculous but it's more of was rob black not really reading the fans like his fan base i
0: mean he had lucha
1: libre like i mean but yeah that's the thing we just like Hoovy psychosis like halloween damien like he had the luchas on the show it's just like no massacre is still a draw i guess I mean Tenable Senior. I mean this is when Tenabels Junior started. <laughs> I mean maybe he wasn't advertising to the Hispanic market. That,
0: that is probably that I, I guarantee. I mean if you me. don't
1: have flyers and posters in Spanish and you're not hanging them up in the right area, not putting commercials on Univision and Telemundo, if you're not if you're not being smart about targeting that demographic, that could be a thing.
0: Um, so. June 3rd, uh, 2002, and here are some sad news. Um, uh, you know, Big Dick Dudley did pass away during that time period in his obituary. They said, while working for XBW as a wrestler and a booker, he also directed a few porn videos for Rob Black and was listed in the credits. That I did not know.
1: Yeah, it's a interesting uh, little
0: tidbit there. Is is Big Dick one of those guys? I don't know his age in 2002, so this could probably change the manner of my question. But is he one of those guys that if he... Stayed alive when WWE was weirdly signing those like big old ECW guys to developmental deals. He might have gotten in because we saw Pr- um big big Guido, Primo Kerner, and a third randomly got one, and so did Ro- uh, Roadkill in like
1: 2005. Yeah, 2006. Uh, he, Big Dick Dudley, was 34. Yeah, so-, so he would have been under 40 during the ECW reunion shows. He definitely would have gotten a spot. I don't know. I think it's tough because he was only known as a Dudley, and by that point in time, Bubba Ray and Devon kind of moved on from that tie-dye, like, oddities-type gimmick. They kind of moved on to doing other things with Cameo, or with with wearing camo. Uh, So I don't know if it would have worked out that way, um, if WWE would have seen a use for him. But, again, like I'm sure he would have did more in wrestling, because um, again he was only thirty-four. He was trained by Johnny Rods, which like the big the big national companies usually like Johnny Rods trained people. So there was still and I, who knows? It could have been he could have still had opportunity. Like I know, like to this day, if he was still alive, being in his early fifties, he would have he would be doing the autograph scene. Yeah.
0: And this is unfortunately 2002. We talk about the wrestling business being down for a lot of factors, the deaths. There's a lot of deaths in 2002. Um, you know, I don't have, but off the top of my head, I can think of some pretty prolific people that, that died around this time period. So like Russell, wrestlers are passing away. It's never good media. The media is going to jump on that and have, yeah. you know, 2020 specials about steroids and drug use and all this in wrestling. And, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, and, and I, I, I don't know why big Dick Dully died, but they just group like it, it, It's like, I hated like when the whole Chris Benoit thing happened and like Nancy Grace would put wrestler deaths and they would have like Owen Hart on there. Like Owen Hart's death had nothing to do with, drugs or the road or whatever it was literally an accident like you know so and
1: i I give ddp credit because ddp actually went on nancy gracious show and called her out for that that owen Hart was not a drug related death and i think she listed other people she listed like wrestlers in their 60s and 70s that died from natural causes Mm -hmm. like yeah that that's just how the media looks for the media will look at now i'm getting into a political like fake news type thing but like they like to blow up uh those those stories those uh those type of entertainment stories uh just for ratings and yeah uh big dick died of kidney failure brought on by years of painkiller abuse so yeah it's it's tough it's it's sad on that but again like working the indies there's really no you don't have a boss that's that's paying attention to you every night of the week like a WWE wrestler or a WWE wrestler so you're on your own so it's kind of hard to even diagnose that or to see if if someone's someone's hiding their their addictions it you never know
0: uh, June 17, thousand two, from the Observer. New Jack, who jumped from XPW to Rival uh, Epic Promotions in S- Southern California, had his last eight hundred dollar check from Rob Black bounce, <laughs> and he said somehow he isn't the guy I'd like to bounce a check to. So uh, you you could tell the wheels are coming off.
1: <laughs> here. Yeah, um, yeah. So and then there's a lot going on about that. I just want to do want to preface saying uh, during the research I've found on SoCal Uncensored, uh, the check was for an advanced for an XPW show that uh, for a future show, the XPW canceled when New Jack was unbooked when he formed that he was going to the period at Epic. But still, it's New Jack. Wouldn't you just like just count as a loss?
0: Yeah. Or why are you paying a guy ahead of time before a show happens in the Indies?
1: Why are you? Why are you paying that much advance? I mean, his new jack. He might be like, I need, I need money now.
0: Yeah, maybe deposit, but. Uh July uh first um actually you know w- yeah well actually we're gonna we're gonna kind of go backwards because both these notes are before the June twenty ninth show and then we'll get into that but uh July first two thousand two from the Observer in the latest in childish ba- battles overriding prom- uh, promoting wrestling after New Jack got the bounce check from XPW rival Epic Promotions ran a New Jack promo where he ran down XPW over sending him the bad check since XPW and Epic both air on Saturday nights as pro paid programming on KJLA in Los Angeles. The station pulled the epic show due to the interview. Black's TV show has reached new levels of desperation. Black is pretending to have had a stroke and they pretended that he uh, pisses and craps all over himself on TV. They also did a segment where GQ money broke into Black's house and knocked him out and ripped off his wife's clothes and attempted to rape her uh, from behind until somebody made a save. Oh my god! The next week they showed up uh, money ra- raping a girl in a parking lot and leaving her for dead. And the following week he was sprayed with supposed raw sewage. Anyways, they're doing a match on the June 29th show where the only way to win is to drench an opponent in raw sewage. Brilliant ideals, ideas regained to the lost audience. So there has been this long-term narrative that deathmatch wrestling is why XPW didn't blow up. No. It's stuff like this. <laughs> like...
1: At if, least it didn't at least it didn't stick with GQ money. Like Ryan Katz had he was able to get away from this, so
0: if game changer wrestling shows you anything, if you if, if the deathmatch wrestling is the most controversial stuff you do, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, it was way more than the deathmatch
2: wrestling.
1: And this, again, on KJLA, that's over the air broadcast. It's not like a cable station. Like anyone with an antenna or anyone with any any TV in their house in Southern California and Los Angeles will be able to pick this up. So anyone flipping through the channels is turning this on and seeing a pro wrestler raping a woman in the parking lot. Like that's not, that's not good. Uh,
0: and, uh, Alvarez also has uh, Same day July 1st Take on that A new epic promotion Southern California Signed a TV deal With KGLA in Los Angeles I believe they've aired Two shows already But the third one Scheduled for this past Saturday at 11 o'clock Got pulled by promoter Gary App. Kind of a funny story A few weeks back a Rob Black of XPW Bounced an $800 check To New Jack As you can imagine This made New Jack angry He cut what was said To be the promo To end all promos While holding up a copy Of said bounce check And Epic taped it for TV The sources indicate That Jack may have Used some foul language Which Yap didn't seem To want to put on there. He also felt it was inappropriate to be bashing the competition on television, uh, and XPW has a show on the okay. same station. Um, Alright, and then we will uh, get into the results here. Um, we do have some comments from Dave on the July 8th Observer, but we'll get into it right here. June 29, 2002, XPW Liberty or Death at the Pico Rivera Sports Arena in uh, Pico Rivera, California, which you have watched some footage, Ash, and that you show me. It looks like it's like a rodeo arena, and these guys are – not only are they getting cut from all the deathmatch stuff, but they're rolling in, like, dirt.
1: Yeah, it looked like they were doing, like, a demolition derby there, too, which I guess if you're trying to find a venue to do a deathmatch, that's probably the best to do it outside, as as CZW realized when running in DJ's backyard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's best to do it in a a field or in dirt or somewhere you don't really need to clean up.
0: Mid-South did a lot of those, like – Back back in the mid to late two thousands, they did a lot of those uh, light tubes and weed whacker matches. Those were usually outside. Um, uh, on this card, we have of Scottsnot and Steve Arzano going to you no know, contest, Tool defeated Vic Grimes. We have an XPW World Tag Title Tournament first round match where Mexico's Most Wanted and Demon Saint Halloween defeated Venom Black and Ecstasis. We had Crimson. And Supreme going to a no contest. So there's a third Crimson. <laughs> uh, like, I, obviously, I know we, there's the Crimson that actually wrestles in the Midwest and Northeast. He's Crimson with a K. And then, there's, of course, Crimson with a C. Tommy Mercer, who you see on NWA and, and was, in, was in TNA. But apparently, there's a third Crimson. Yep. Also known as
1: Matt Sinister, who uh, stopped wrestling shortly after this. But, yeah, there's another Crimson.
0: Uh. XPW World Tag Title tournament first round. The New Panthers, uh, K-Malik K- Shabazz and Ra- Rafael Muhammad defeated Buddy George and King Vaviano. Another first round match, American Wild Child and Shady with Major Guns. Uh, she, she, she had a, a little bit of a run after WCW, guys. <laughs> defeated the Alter Boys, Alter Boy Luke, Luke Hawks, and Alter Boy Matthew. Um, uh, raw Sewage Tag Team, GQ Money and Veronica Kane defeated Angel and Lizzie Borden. Uh, La Parka defeated psychosis uh xpw world tag title uh one ostico and pogo the clown defeated juventud guerrera and and uh vinnie massaro and so those are all your first round matches and then you had television title chaos defeating chris Hamrick, and the world heavyweight title johnny webb defeating a returning terry funk (laughs) um and uh dave's notes on on this here are uh um, the show uh, saw Terry Funk come in and put over local champ Johnny Webb in the main event before about 650 fans. So 650 fans with Terry Funk. Uh, the, last, uh, the show lasted five and a half hours, lasting until 1.30 in the morning. Miraculously, uh, Funk at, at pat, uh, 1 a.m. Uh, got the fans to pop, to pop huge on since it was past midnight on his 58th birthday. Uh, they did the ECW chair-throwing incident, took bumps into thumbtacks, and Funk said he would, he'd do for XPW what he did for ECW. They had a loser l- get set into Ross' sewage match on the undercard. So weird. <laughs> With GQ Money, Veronica versus Angel, and Lizzie Borden, it really wasn't Ross' sewage, but apparently the breaking of four tables was an amazing visual bump. They're doing a King of the Deaf match tournament on their next show on July 20th.
1: So I uh, did do a little research. They're still in suburban Los Angeles. Uh, The venue is east of downtown L.A., Um, pretty far, not really past, not really like Riverside, but uh, West Covina area, Um, and it's in, in an industrial park, industrial area, actually. There's a ton of industrial factories and industrial warehouses around, so there's no people. It's industrial zone. Um, and it is an outdoor venue. It's more of a, yeah, it's a rodeo barn, basically. Uh, they're known for hosting, uh, they're known for hosting concerts, rodeos, professional wrestling and boxing and notably used to host a circus. So yeah, it's just an open, uh, amphitheater with bleachers more like you would see at like a County fair. And it does sit... Uh, it's like a wrestling show at the fair. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's basically what it looks like. And it's it seats between five thousand and sixty two hundred, depending on the configuration. So... So,
0: 650 looks small.
1: Yeah. So, again, you're running a venue that can seat a lot. But at the same time, if you're doing deathmatch stuff and you're having issues, like, you could do scalp for the matching matches. You can do explosions. You can do like tubes you can do all that here in an open air arena with dirt on the floor so i don't fault them for running this venue because the cleanup cost it probably it's probably minimal
0: so uh we have a note here july uh 15th uh from the figure four weekly xpw rerunning a We'll be running a forty-foot scaffold exploding ring match in July twentieth. Basically, they're reusing the same scaffold that Vic Grimes, Daniel killed himself taking a bump off a few months back, and then whoever takes the bump lands in the ring, it's going to blow up. So yeah, they're they're going back to the scaffold match here, and we're we're gonna have some fun stuff to talk about <laughs> that uh, in a second here. We'll kind of get right into the uh, July twentieth XPW. Baptized in Blood Three Night of Champions, uh, and that's at the Pico Rivera Sports Arena. We have the XPW King of the Deathmatch Tournament, and in, in the first round, we had Supreme defeating the Sandman, Alter Boy Luke defeating Vinny Massaro. Then they had it uh, the XPW Tag Title Tournament Final Four-Way Dance to... Uh, determined new champions where Mexico's Most Wanted defeated American Wild Child and Shady and Juan Asico and Pogo the Clown and the New Panthers. Uh, we also saw another first round match in the King of the Death match where Pogo the Clown defeated Crimson and Steve Rizano. Uh Angel defeated GQ Money in a false count anywhere match snuff Defeated Vic Grimes. These names, man. Uh, then we saw Su- Supreme defeating Alter Boy Luke in a semifinal, as well as Angel defeating Pogo the Clown in a semifinal. We had a XPW television title three-way ladder match. Uh, so much stuff going on here, guys. Chaos defeated Chris Hamrick and Psychosis. You know, Chaos was really working with some good talent. It is a surprise he didn't get out there more. Yeah. Um we had XPW I mean he does appear in uh, the wrestling Society X, but we had XPW World Heavyweight Title where Shane Douglas defeated Johnny Webb in a title change and then the XPW King of the Death match tournament uh 2002 <laughs> final <laughs> exploding ring scaffold match <laughs> where Supreme defeated Angel and we'll get to the notes and then we'll talk about our comments on this <laughs> cuz this is interesting um uh, from from the observer, XPW did an angle on the July twentieth show in Pico Rivera, California, where Shane Douglas showed up unadvertised and beat Johnny Webb for the title. XPW owner Rob Black's wife, uh, Lizzie Borden, they were doing an angle for where he was beating her, kissed Douglas and claimed she was divorcing Black for Douglas. And Douglas said that they were moving XPW to Philadelphia and the ECW arena with their first show on August thirty first, with the idea of running the arena using ex ECW wrestlers like Douglas and Terry Funk. It was also Douglas's first night as the Booker, which has been rumored to be happening forever. show drew about 1,400, but we've heard all week that they were papering like crazy. And reports were it wasn't a good show. Supreme won the uh, Deathmatch tournament, which included bumps on a bed of nails and a bed of lights. And once Douglas shot paint paintballs at Angel on a scaffold, uh, so he did a front flip off the scaffold and the ring exploded. Pretty sick bump, but nothing like the, the one Grimes took. Um. So, we watched this, and he does have a paintball gun, and you could tell that, you know, that is where kind of Dave is is getting where he thinks it is, but on commentary, they said it was a tranquilizer.
1: Yeah. God. And Shane Douglas is on the floor shooting 40 feet in the air and shot Angel in the neck with a perfect shot, according to comments.
0: And... The funny thing, looking at it, like I said, it doesn't look like anything was shot at all. Yeah. No paintballs. No trick.
1: <laughs> Angel just staggers, but he staggers walking towards the edge of the platform, getting ready to to flip off of it. And then got shot again, supposedly. But, like, they did the wide angle, and the commentary said, Shane Douglas just shot him again. Shane Douglas isn't at ringside anymore. He did the one shot and, and ran away because, obviously, the ring is going to explode. You don't want to be near it. I
2: just –
1: all right.
0: We may lose listeners after this comment. I don't hate the idea of a tranquilizer good at wrestling.
1: I mean, JBL <laughs> did that to Big Show. And it, that worked. Yes. There's like, nothing wrong with that.
0: When I was doing my Tony Vanzetti run in back in Erie, Pennsylvania, I would have loved to have done an angle where I tranquilized lumber Lumberjack LaRue <laughs> because of all one of the devious things I was doing there.
1: <laughs> that was pre the weight loss, like before the weight loss? Uh so he was still huge. Yeah,
0: he, yeah, he he was yeah, he was st- like but we did we did like the classic Memphis tar and feather to his tag partner Jamie Scott and I did the ether spot to, to Lumberjack Larue to lose his chance of winning a, the Rampage Rumble and he still won it.
1: So Lumberjack Larue Lumberjack's good dude. He's like 6 foot 5 and at that point he had to be like over 300 pounds. He was a giant. Like he's lost some weight since then, but uh yeah. So that the Fed we worked for in Erie, Pennsylvania, we were always told by the promoter and booker was if it happened in Memphis, it'll happen here in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so it's a great place to work.
0: And, and uh, a man, tr uh, is something they would do in Memphis. <laughs> there probably is some USWA where Bill Dundee's tranquilizing Reggie be fine, you know? <laughs> But uh but yeah, so <laughs> And if and the video's out there on YouTube, folks, like and you gotta give it to Angel, he's like like he's, he's really selling it, yeah. it real
1: good. But again, like I understand if Dave Dave would have gotten this report from a fan, this would have been a fan report. So if the fans didn't know what it was, kind of, I kind of I kinda understand.
0: Um Back to the Observer, August fifth, two thousand two. Even though they're selling tickets, XPW has not applied for a license to run in Pennsylvania. Although it it isn't necessarily a big problem because they could just pay a local promoter to use their license. No Rock (laughs) and Rebel does not pop up in XPW. pretty shocked yeah, I know, right? uh and has no local advertising out uh there there are already rumors uh, of problems at the show as ccw fans are supposedly uniting to get as many comps as possible to cause trouble at the show um
1: rob nox just doesn't show up either
0: no I mean nope, no he does, he does not another guy that uh appears a lot of shows Pennsylvania because of his license August 12 2002 uh, Dave says uh, Rob Black has apparently been telling some of his wrestlers that he's attempting to purchase Viking Hall in Philadelphia at press time XBW was thinking about Pennsylvania for various uh, promoters to use uh, to pay them to use their license Uh, we haven't uh, heard a confirmation that anyone has agreed to it but in most cases at crunch time you'll always find somebody who will
1: I mean that's 100% accurate that there's always going to be someone in Pennsylvania that's wound around a license because, shock, not surprising, renting a renting a promoter's license in Pennsylvania is perfectly legal. It's it's not New York State. No, it's not another New York. State. You can't you can't do it in New York. I mean, there's ways around it in New York. You just you can't admit to renting a license, but in Pennsylvania, eh, go ahead. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but also like he's going to purchase Viking Hall. Like that's. That's uh, got to be a six figure purchase. What price happens now. to pro wrestling if Rob Black buys
0: Viking Hall as sort independent pro wrestling? Because there's so much history that happens in that ECW arena in the 2000s, you know, uh, between Ring of Honor and Chikara
1: and ECW and, and 3PW. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would have quickly sold it, when, when it like, with stuff that happens in the future. But, yeah, that is, that is true. But yeah, but what would he have sold it to a company that would have kept it running as, as an arena? Because there was that time ten years ago around that time, like the arena ceased to exist. Uh, I think they reverted back to a warehouse. They
0: didn't want to do wrestling for a while. I remember that they didn't want. So.
1: They weren't doing anything. I think. I think they were back to just being a warehouse, or back back to like not doing any live events. And it's still going on. And did
0: they did they do an NXT in there?
1: Yes. Okay. They did an yeah. NXT house. I know. I know they did an ECW, a WWE ECW uh, house show in there.
0: And I know, like almost every other, like a TNA did a show in there, and like almost every other promotion.
1: Impact did one recently. Yeah, yeah. His,
0: his, his ran there. Um, but yeah, I was wondering, yeah, because I, I thought I remember NXT doing it. It's still fully functioning and still has wrestling. So
1: it's in much better condition than it than it was in decades past. And like I give them credit. I haven't been in there since the renovation. Uh but I heard it it's really nice. I like a nice uh a nice lobby in there now when you walk in. Uh the current owners put some money into it and they realize like we can make some money promoting wrestling in this in this place.
0: Um also from august twelfth, two thousand two, and this is in the um this is a uh, figure for weekly. In preparation for their debut in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, XPW bought TV time on WGTW Channel 48 every Friday night at two in the morning from August 9th to August 30th, the day before the show. Uh, Beginning September 2nd, the the show moves to Mondays at midnight. It should be noted that as of press time, they still don't have a promoter's license, and unless they can get one, the commission is shutting the show down. Chances are they'll find somebody uh, with a license who can act as a promoter. main event is scheduled to be Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk. The company is also claiming... that they've got October 26, November 16th, and December 21st booked as well. An East Coast War has already begun as John Zandig of CCW, which is also running ECW Arena, has a tournament of death scheduled head to head on the 31st in Dover, Delaware. And this is the time where Dover, where all the death matches were in Dover.
1: Well, also because Delaware. Delaware is a little bit more open with, uh, with the rules, allowing death matches, and allowing extreme death matches. But, um, Rob Black had to be in a feud with someone. Like, he tried ECW, ECW, it didn't work. Maybe maybe he always thought, like, that key to success, that you always needed, you needed an enemy. Because, again, after ECW, after the ECW feud didn't really go anywhere, he tried something with Epic when Epic took a lot of his guys and now deciding he's going to run Philadelphia, where... Philadelphia has always been over-saturated with wrestling. Like the whole southern Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but there's no shortage of indie feds that run that general area. And yeah. I don't... I think it was pure ego of just being... Just saying, I, I'm i going to take over Philadelphia.
0: I, my thing is is he's going to put this facade that goes, Oh, XPW is so good. I'm coming to the East coast and taking it over. But really, I think it was an economic move of desperation in the aspect of, okay, I am drawing not well anymore in California and it, Oh, well in Philadelphia, maybe costs are different. It's smaller. And these guys are doing pretty good. Like they're obviously we said draws were down for CCW and stuff, but the amount of times you could run for the cost, then probably and the rent, I'd imagine. From and CW
1: still booking local, still booking guys in the Northeast. Yeah, not flying guys in from SoCal. You're and you're going
0: to have all, and your names are more on the. They're living in the East Coast, other than Terry Funk in Texas. The rest of them are living in the East Coast. Yeah, Sam Man and Shane Douglas and all that. Like, yeah, you're going to lose on in and Psychosis or whatever. But now, now you're go, you're going to have access to all the other cruiserweights that are living on the East Coast. So.
1: I mean, he's he's also smart in putting TV on, getting a TV show to try to hype that to bring bring fans in. So I'll give him that. That's got some credit there. But
0: how, I mean, how how much at Two in the Morning though is
1: really helping? Um, how big is WGTW? Two, like what are they? Like that could be a twenty dollar or thirty dollar a week TV network. They are. Oh, they this can't. They can't be this now. They're they're they were the Trinity Broadcasting Network. At least that's what they are now. They they weren't a Christian. They couldn't have been a Christian based broadcast network <laughs> airing SPW. Yeah, no, no.
0: So, uh, so they weren't. They from what it looks like, they're they're not a because they're not an affiliate of anything. Yeah, they're not a Fox, ABC, NBC, uh, CBS, and then we got W. Is is this still pre CW? Two thousand two, or do we have the CW now?
1: Uh, no, it's we still have we UPN still have and WB, WB and yeah. UPN. Yeah, okay.
0: So, yeah, so look okay. at that; they're not affiliate of any of
1: those. Yeah,
0: no, so they, they could they, have been an expensive uh, time slot.
1: TBN bought them in two thousand four, so they weren't they weren't a Christian channel before two thousand four, but they were still independent. So, yeah, knowing. Even even though Philly's a huge market, I can't see that being more than fifty dollars a week for yeah. that time slot. Like yeah. I've I've worked for promotions that have gotten TV time slots around that time, like middle of the night time slots. They're not expensive at all.
0: Makes you wonder why he couldn't have just got on an earlier time slot. You know what I mean? This network's not a big network. You.
1: I mean, he has no problem spending money. money. Exactly.
0: Um. And now it's getting juicy, Ash. <laughs> it's going to get real juicy for a minute here. Uh, oh, uh, Yep, uh, August 12, 2002 here. This is this from The Observer, and we also have uh, Brian's notes on it as well. In what could have been the sickest and strangest horror stories in the, in the history of independent wrestling, wrestler Messiah, real-named William Rolch, had his thumb cut off, By attackers who also attempted to cut off his penis while at his apartment in Canyon County, California, on August the first. Police had contacted several people within wrestling after the fact. They were investigating Walter's belief that the attack was related to the wrestling industry. Walph Walsh described, uh, sorry, Welch, Welch described the incident as two African-Americans, both in their mid-20s and weighing in the range of 230 to 250 pounds, coming in to his unlocked door. Walch believed they were there to see his roommate, but then they attacked him. Uh, Walch provided a description of the assailants detailed enough for police sketches. According to Gary Yap, the promoter of Epic, the company Messiah, was currently wrestling for uh, after a heated uh departure from xpw the 25 year old welch told him he was playing video games at 6 p.m when they came in he noted a reflection of them pointing at him and with his roommate left to walk her dog they locked the doors and attacked him as they were holding him down cut off his thumb with garden shears the thumb was never recovered welch tried to fight them off as they attempted to cut both off his other thumb and his penis in the brawl welch was hit with both a chair and a fishbowl as they attempted to knock him out Walsh's screams for help were heard by his roommate who immediately called police. The attackers that fled the scene, police have a description of the vehicle, but not the license plate number. After being treated at the uh, Henry Mayo uh, Newhall Memorial Hospital, Walsh went on the lam and is said to be uh, leaving the state in fear of another attack. There may have been some sort of connection to the business he's in, said Detective Victor Lewandowski of Santa Clarita, California, uh, Valley Sheriff Station, in a short article in the Los Angeles Daily News. He is pointing us to some type of internal thing to do at his job. Messiah had been the king of the deaf match for Rob's infamous XBW promotion. He was fired allegedly because Black found out he was sleeping with his wife, the porn star who goes by the name Lizzie Borden. There had been a wrestling rumor going around, which seemingly was confirmed, which it was talked about in a pseudo wrestling angle. Since then, he became a popular underground favorite with Combat Zone Wrestling. Where things got out of control was on the debut. Um, of epic promotions run by Yap, the group used a lot of the talent, such as Sabu, Messiah, Josh Lazy, Vampiro, and New Jack, that had formerly worked for Black. On June 16th, New Jack did a promo claiming the reason why Messiah was fired for XBW was for sleeping with Borden. Messiah came in later to the show to a UF to Lizzie chant and got on the PA and said she effing loved it. New Jack cut another. <laughs> so, New
1: Jack's the blame for this. New Jack is instigating. <laughs>
0: And, and, hey, listen, New Jack's fan of the
1: show. Not for nothing. You're not going to send people after New Jack. No, no. And, and,
0: and hey, <laughs> hey, hey, New Jack, much respect. <laughs> but, uh, man, like, like he he instigated. Yeah, he, uh, he also got another backstage promo, and on the subject, he also ran down black for bouncing a check on him, which we discussed. But you have to set it out there on television. Both XPW and Epic, as we talked about, had that TV on KGLA in Los Angeles. The Epic Show never uh, aired on television on August 2nd because Yap was so shook up in the incident that he never brought the tape to the station and was still, uh, days later, that 50-50 about staying in the wrestling business because he also felt the incident was business-related. He said his initial reaction on what happened was to get out of the business completely, but the company's August 18th show is going to happen and will be used to generate funds for Walter's hospital visit. Wolch is expected to wrestle again. Yep said that Lazy, the another former XPW employee who jumped wants out of the business and told him that August eighteenth would be his final show, and Yep said he wasn't clear if he still wanted to continue. XPW acknowledged the incident on his website, saying XPW sends its most sincere thoughts and prayers to the Messiah. The incident the night is a tragedy no matter what has been said in the past and no matter where the feelings stand right now.
1: Uh and then uh, Alvarez just recaps basically the same thing. There's really uh, nothing else to note from uh, nothing else unique from Alvarez on there.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it, it it it's pretty much I mean just the detectives say they were there specifically to sell him and robbery doesn't appear to be the motive. There's a connection to end the business that we t- discussed. So what they're getting at here is is that people hired these two guys to attack Messiah and cut off his thumbs. And his penis.
1: <laughs> and again, I want to preface this by saying... Independent th- wrestling, everybody! <laughs> I, I, I don't want to preface this by saying it's still... A, it, it's it's a cold case. Uh, the individuals have never been found. No one has ever been charged. So we don't know who is at fault and who's the responsible party for this. Um, But as it has... The tall town wrestling has always been that it is associated, like, the incident is associated with XPW.
0: And like I said, there's been no proof. It, it did it did appear in America's Most Wanted. <laughs> yes, we'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, stra- you've never heard of anything like this. I mean, I'm sure it happens in Japan with the Yakuza, but you never heard anything there's the, like that I
1: don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fine, upstanding businessmen.
2: Yep, (laughs)
1: you're you're, you're right. Every promotion that ran Tokyo Dome drew 70,000 people. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh. Every dime, every yen that came in for those shows is 100% accounted for.
0: Oh, this is why XPW is such an interesting topic, because it's not just deathmatch wrestling or porn. (laughs) There's so much more. Uh. August 19, 2002, uh, from the Figure Four Weekly, uh, strange twist of events. an BW expected debut in Philadelphia later this month. They managed to secure the $10,000 bond necessary to run their shows, but for whatever reason decided to post the paperwork on the Internet. <laughs> Student observers noted that the address listed on the form was actually the address of RF Video, which promotes Ring of Honor shows. Many folks were not unhappy about the association because there's a lot of heat or most unhappy about the association because there's a lot of heat on XBW by people in the Southern California for various reasons that perhaps will be known in the next few weeks. Anyway, RF uh, apparently didn't want to take the heat, so they claimed they didn't give the company's permission to put their address on the bond, and the bond was subsequently canceled. XPW finally worked out a deal with Joe Blackburn's Heritage Wrestling to use their license. Since the State Athletic Commission won't allow two shows to run on the same day using the same license, Blackburn canceled the show he was planning on running August 31st.
1: When I think of Heritage Wrestling, I think of XPW. Um, so, so there were definitely using RF video for this and probably using... So the Rob Feinstein license. was
0: going to pretty much be a co-owner of XPW, he in was, a way. Yeah. Yeah, when, well, the, when... The things you find out here,
1: like... Well, because... X-
0: Rob Feinstein and Rob Black almost became business partners, folks.
1: So so they pulled... They pulled <laughs> it, so XPW pulled an Adam Nowak and posted this online... Uh, which
0: Adam Nowick is a local promoter in the Rochester New York area, or was that you know he doesn't promote any more
1: of it he he was he wasn't smart and he would post legal documents online to prove to uh, none of the fans care, but he did it just to prove to people in the business that like things he said were true and expose a lot of legal things that he shouldn't have, but like that's basically what it's basically what this was like they posted their paperwork, which it's the public knowledge, I guess you could probably do a Freedom of Information Act or, or request and get it. But, like, that obviously exposed our video as being the promotion that was helping XPW for these.
0: And this is 2002, folks. This is pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace, pre-Twitter. None of that exists.
1: Nobody would have known.
0: But look at how pressure got Rob Feinstein to pull out. Like, it was happening... 19 years ago, like now you'll yeah. see, like, if somebody associated with someone controversial, and then people are like, hey, what are you Oh, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm getting out of there. <laughs> but
1: what was the aside for our video? Like, did okay, they, so, did they plan to distribute XPW DVDs? Or was it a purely money issue? A right, money situation. So,
0: Ring of Honor isn't a thing yet, right? No, they are. Oh, they are. Okay. They're
1: relatively young, but like, yeah, okay. they're they're definitely a thing.
0: So, yeah, I'm trying to think of the time frame we're in. So, okay. We're about five months in. Five months in. All right. So Ring of Honor is a thing, but it's probably not cutting a huge profit, right? And he's, he's probably looking for that next big thing to financially – I mean, he probably saw how well XPW's sales did with DVDs, and he probably thought, okay, well, they got distributed in stores. I could probably do that, and then I could – Probably get more RF video stuff in there. And I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that he... It was probably like a, hey, give me your distribution channels. And then, boom, RF videos are in, you know, Sam Goody Musics and FYEs like in 2002.
1: like With our video logo on it? Yeah. I mean, you could find a lot of Deathmatch videos and VHS tapes through RF video. So I that makes sense. Again, we'll just well we're just assuming with this but obviously it's right there that our video did have a hand in this initially so but that is interesting of like there could have been association what could have happened if this was never found out like would would ring of honor have been been would ring of honor have done a co-branded XPW show during this era like they did with CW later on
0: ah uh, uh, yeah, knows? yeah. I mean, would have you seen some of those XPW guys that were more in the mat worker style, like a chaos? Maybe he would have started peering a ring of honor. It, there, there's a lot of what ifs, and then this, uh, the Heritage Wrestling, which I, I think may still be around. No, I, I'm thinking I, I maybe think of another like Philly wrestling that's kind of typed that like like that. Um, but this guy must have got a good paycheck from Rob Black to cancel his show. And be like, okay, yep, well, uh, you could use my license on my show.
1: Heritage Alliance. No, they were two thousand one to two thousand three. Okay, um,
0: all right. I know there's a there's a I don't know if it's a similar name or something that runs like in the CCW arena, but uh, for some reason I thought the word Heritage was
1: okay. So name. what? So what I said earlier about being the name Heritage doesn't sound like something as PW. Like I was wrong. <laughs> so their first show was called Hardcore Hell. Uh, okay. So yeah, there were uh They weren't typical
0: Matt style, like
1: No. No. Uh Tommy Suede worked for them. Did Bach. Okay. Uh Denmark was a worker in the mid 2000s in Philly that did some work up here in Western New York area. Um Yeah, Circus so worked for them, GQ Money worked for them, Chaos did work for them, Alta Boy Luke. Chris Hamrick, Justice, Justice Payne. So yeah, they're uh, basically
0: a mix of CCW and XPW guys.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, only only eight shows are listed on Gage Match, so they didn't last long.
0: So uh, August, man, August was quite the month for, uh,
2: it, it, it <laughs> for it down.
0: w Uh and it, it believe me, it hurt inside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, August 26, 2002, the TV show America's Most Wanted is doing – I don't know why it's so funny to me. John Walsh covering wrestling.
1: And this is available on YouTube if you, you find it.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: America's Most Wanted is doing a
0: piece of what happened to Messiah. Keith Greenberg, who has written for WF magazines and done a book on wrestling, is producing the story. They were filming on August 18th for the Epic Promotion Show in Reseda, California, which was a benefit for Messiah and were tempting to get a comment from XBW on the story. Not sure of the air date, uh, but the uh, the Epic Show and obviously uh, they're continuing their promotion. Owner Gary Yatt briefly considered getting out of wrestling after the incident, including some CZ wrestlers flying in like the Backseat Boys, who are all over the country this week, as they were scheduled for a Teenage Darkness this week, and Adam Flash since Messiah worked for the group in Philadelphia as well. So you see, Epic started to Bring in some of those uh, CCW guys. Uh, there was a soap opera going on for the past two weeks, but when the dust cleared, XPW will be running a show on August 31st at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. XPW, after attempting and being turned down in an attempt to use a license from several already licensed Pennsylvania promoters. Since it was far too late to get its own license, struck a deal with Joe Blackburn of Heritage Wrestling. The basic gist of XPW is that owner and porn mogul Rob Black, who at the point wanted to buy into ECW, loves being in a wrestling business, and the reaction gets him in uh, uh, the gets him pissing everyone off. He's willing to lose money to get off that reaction, so they run their outrageous TV and studs. Now, this is Dave's opinion, by the way. Uh, XBW has been a hot button issue in the past, such as when in publicity stunt, Black claimed he was going to kill a a dog live on the internet, Uh, rich people contacted local Humane Society employees, which made sure it didn't happen, and Black claimed he was never going to do it anyways, just for doing the reaction. And another time he tried to get uh, out of the story that he offered a uh, real stroke, although it was just a TV deal, Um, I'm sorry, he suffered a real stroke, although it was just a TV deal, the Messiah incident has also everyone freaked out as mentioned here he has booked the ECW arena and started selling tickets while not having a license to promote in Pennsylvania
1: which I don't think you can do that I think you can't <laughs> sell you can't be spe- you can't sell tickets unless you have the license
0: <laughs> the, then uh, at first went to Rob Feinstein Feinstein and Kevin Kleinrock XBW, have a business relationship related to selling xBW videotapes so he already kind of had a distribution outlet okay. there. Who owns ring of honor and asked to use their license ring of honor turned them down but did tell them about the hartford company which is where they purchased their bond apparently xpw when attempting to get a bond from that company was told they need a business address within the state of pennsylvania they used feinstein's rf video address without his permission and xpw actually put a copy of the bond up on their website apparently to prove that they were going to be able to run the show It didn't take long for people to become furious with our video because of the belief that they were helping out XPW. Booker Cape Sapolsky, in the middle of all the midst of all this, said that even though the address was used without their permission, that they thought all the goodwill his company had gotten from its well received shows had gone out the window. It did come out later that the week that Sapolsky's claims were true and XPW used their address without permission. The Hartford confirmed that that RFIDIA specifically called them and told them they had their address used. However, even after all that, by the end of the week, the Athletic Commission had approved the date because XPW had access to a license. All this red tape aside, this just shows the silliness and reality of the Athletic Commission's in pro wrestling, which continues to this day.
1: Um, So they still... I don't know if I 100% believe Rob Feinstein's side of it.
0: I could see the interest. We're not talking. I mean, I could see what Gabe would want anything to do with it. I mean, Gabe is a Paul guy. And yeah. I'm sure and at
1: the t- there's and
0: resentment for Rob Black still yeah. at this point.
1: And especially at that time, Ring of Honor and our Video were the same company.
2: There
1: yeah. wasn't any separation. So, But our Video is obviously Feinstein's company. and I, Again, it's... It's there like they're claiming that there was no association uh, you take it to face value i don't I can see I can see Feinstein being asked like hey you do you mind just using your using your address for this and he doesn't care, and then thinking it wouldn't blow up, who knows
0: um we're gonna go to the September second observer and then we'll backtrack to the august thirty first result um because the way the Observer prints out it, it comes out like a certain date, at least at that point, but it would actually stuff that already happened uh, or in there. So September 2nd, 2002, The Maker's Most Wanted as part of its story on the Messiah incident since nobody from XPW would return their phone calls dropped in uh, at their Extreme Associates porn business office. While well, they found the place immediately closed up and nobody would talk. Shane Douglas in an interview said with him as Booker in Philadelphia that the show this weekend is a restart in a positive direction. He claimed that Rob Black had big fights over content and direction, but that's still there. CZW is running a 5 p.m. show on Dover, Delaware on August 31st, the same day as XPW running 8 p.m. at the ECW Arena, um, where CZW runs big shows. Lots of rumors that things may happen at this show. It's interesting he, that CZW is doing a 5 o'clock time. I well, mean, also, I, I think he's it's not 4. Yeah. But they also probably don't want to lose they they probably want to make sure they can get as many fans and fans could go over afterwards.
1: I don't think that. I just think that the show in Dover is probably an outdoor show. So I can understand I can understand that just being like you don't want to run an outdoor show if you don't have lights. Which not many indie feds invest in lights for outdoor shows. At least not during this era. Um,
0: August 31st, uh, 2002, the XBW Hostile Takeover, and this was at the Viking Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Psychosis defeat Super Crazy, Pogo, the Clown, and Sammy went to a no contest. XBW World Tag Title: Mexico's Most Wanted. Damien Sisei and Halloween defeated the New Panthers, uh, Malcolm XL and uh, Smokey Carmichael. Uh, XBW King of the Match title, Supreme defeated Angel. Uh, Huben Tuguerra defeated Chris Chetty. Vic Grimes defeated Alter Boy Luke and Little Guido in a three-way dance. Um so was there a time there must have been a time that Nunzi was not under WWE contract then?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't picked up right away. It it
0: just doesn't seem like it cuz he is such a fixture in I in like Smackdown and everything like that and but yeah, it looks like there was a time where he uh... yeah he
1: didn't join until late. He didn't sign with WWE until late 2002, and then came in as uh, Noble's cousin. Okay, so he like there was that brief time in 2001, 2002, almost two years that he worked. He worked the Indies. Um.
0: XPW television title, Chaos uh, with GQ Money and Veronica Kane defeated Chris Amrick. And then the world title match, uh, Shane Douglas with Lizzie Borden defeated Terry. Oh, I'm sorry. And Terry went to a no contest because we are XPW. We got to have multiple no contests on the same show. Um, you would think Shane Douglas is booking there'd be less of that, <laughs> but, but uh, there was not. And then uh, let's uh, get Dave's. Uh, perspective on this XBW ran its first show, uh, in Philadelphia, at the old ECW arena drawing a reported 900 fans, which is a better crowd than ever. Anyone else is doing
1: better than what he would, what they were doing in Los Angeles.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were no incidents with CCW at the show. The show ended up with Shane Douglas beating Terry Funk in a short match. Uh, Funk, uh, Said, but it says no contest, a cage match. Funk gashed his arm with something fierce, and the ref stopped the match. So that's when uh, Funk pile-drove uh, Lizzie Borden after the match. <laughs> like, it, hey, he can't stop, he can't continue, but he's going to pile drive Lizzie Borden. Uh,
1: they so it did, wasn't no contest, but... Yeah, like, yeah,
0: they did promos early in the show where Funk and Douglas argued over who was the man who really made ECW after the show, apparently did a worked internet shoot where Funk took a punch at Douglas. Funk did legit need 20 stitches to close the gash, which was so deep that you could see the tendon through the opening. Funk, uh, for shock value in the past uh, on big shows, done major blade jobs on his arm like that, the most famous being in 1977 in the finals of the World Tag League uh, in the angle that got the Funk-Abdullah feud going uh, to where people still remember 25 years later, and even to this day people remember Funk and Abdullah. uh uh, very vividly, and made the function to strong American baby faces. Uh, former ECW wrestlers like Psychosis, Super Crazy, Sam Chris Chetty, Danny Doring, Vic Grimes, Hubertu Guerrero, Little Guerrero, and I'm uh, sorry, Little Guido, and Chris uh, Chris Hammock also appeared. And uh, Douglas claimed at the end of the show that he's the new owner of the ECW arena, and sa- <laughs> said that CCW and Blue Meanies Fed will have to kiss his ass if they ever want to run that building again as it turned out even though the building has been on been for sale for years the building owners the next day told ccw they knew nothing about any of that and it was all bogus angel uh, got over taking a lot of sick bumps and got a huge ovation when it was over and about that included a barbed wire board and light tubes and he went through tables uh, boards and tubes as well as took a power bomb off the balcony the latest on the messiah uh, William Welch case uh, is this. There was forensic evidence left at the scene of the crime. As mentioned before, Walsh claimed to police officers that he uh, thought the assault was wrestling related, but didn't know the two men had attacked him. The police concluded that Walsh was specifically singled out for an attack and that it wasn't random and robbery wasn't a motive. The assailants would likely be charged with mayhem, which would be a two to eight year term. Jerome Young New Jack had claimed that Rob Zakari offered him to do $10,000 to do a number on Welch and did contact the local police with that story. The police said it was too early to know that that story had any validity. The problem from the timeline standpoint is, is that when Young jumped from XPW to Epic long before the attack took place, it was actually Young's promo live which set off the chain of events that led to Welch claiming at a live show that he slept with Lizzie Borden. Sakara also uh, bounced a check on Young, and Young did an unprofessional uh, promo on Blackhead at Epic's show. Um, uh, Scott Williams had an article on the subject uh, on the Galveston County texas daily news which is interesting that it's just galveston like in the texas news
1: they're they're reporting did, this did dave just randomly put that in there
0: <laughs> messiah returned to action on august 31st for CZW in dover delaware and their ultraviolet tournament of death which was promoted the same day as xbw's debut in philadelphia messiah beat adam flash but the loss of sick nick mondo and fans bring the weapons match probably if, if messiah truly thinks rob black did this why even risk working a show an hour away? <laughs> like,
1: I mean, he's a, a tough individual. He's he's yeah, he's guess. not gonna go in hiding, especially at an indie show. Like, no one's gonna no one's gonna come into a locker room to attack because at they figure show. he's
0: got the CZW guys too there with him. So
1: yeah, I just love that. Forensic evidence was left at the scene of the crime. Like, what forensic evidence? Was there some XPW ticket stubs, like, left at the scene? Yeah. Oh, man. Um... Because, obviously, like, if if there was forensic evidence it was hair or, like, DNA of some sort, it's still – like, that would be in the system and still after – you would almost think that case years. would be solved if almost they tw- had yeah. real forensic evidence. Yeah, almost twenty years. Like those, the the, the perpetrator traitors would have, have still not been caught for any unrelated act.
0: Now, it is a cold case, but I would imagine mayhem under the statute of limitations might be expired by now. So even if they found out who attacked and cut the thumb off of uh, of Messiah they they might not serve any time at this point.
1: Yeah. Because if it, if it was murder, there's no statute of limitations on murder, but that's an assault. Like, there's got to be a statute of limitations on that. It would have to be over with that, which is which is weird that no one has ever still to this day come out and said anything about it and admitted fault.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, that's the thing. Everybody could have their theories, and we're not accusing anybody or anything here. Uh, it, it's just so interesting that, like, there's so many elements to, to, to this, and and it's it, it's crazy that Americans most want to get involved. <laughs> um, September nine uh, two thousand two. This <laughs> is the figure four weekly, uh, where Elver is a huge weekend on the East Coast with XPW, CZW, and the Russ Haas Memorial Show all taking place. XPW ran the former ECW Arena in Philly on Saturday for an estimated nine hundred fans, headlined by XPW Champion and Booker Shane Douglas uh, beating Terry Funk via referee stoppage. Legit, the match was supposed to go 30 minutes, but got cut off around seven uh, when Funk's arm uh, got torn up pretty much beyond recognition. One of those gruesome deals where you could see the tendons and everything. Now, Funk still managed to pile drive Lizzie Bourne afterwards. He ended up hospitalized and needed eight, he says, eight stitches uh, and it's that one, 12 inches on, on his arm. So I guess it's a combined 20.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I love how, like, him and Dave report. Like, this, they report the same thing, but they,
1: they, they change the wording. They still weren't. Yeah, they still weren't working together at this point. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it, it basically just go through the same thing on here.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at it, you know, they, they they bring all the big names here and everything. And then this is where we get interesting. The company began airing on TV on Channel 48 past Monday at midnight, and they're running the next show on october 5th from the same building same day as the ring of honor show a few uh, blocks down the road ccw also ran their ultraviolet tournament of death in dover delaware it's surprising to me that there's still an audience for this sort of thing once again the opinion here uh, of alvarez but there is um that this particular audience was quite rabid and bloodthirsty messiah actually had his first match back since he got his thumb cut off so his uh, the audience um, so he's definitely not retiring. Of course, in the dumbest move possible, they had him appear as a surprise entrant, meaning he got uh, the big pop but didn't sell one extra ticket. And people wonder why uh, almost nobody ever makes any real money in this business. He lost in the semis to Nick Mondo. Mondo worked over uh, his missing thumb. <sighs> so. So. um. Full disclosure, you know, we are recording this episode probably a, little, a couple weeks before we 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 do uh, release it. So the dark side of the ring, uh, Nick Gage, will probably be out before this is out. But CZW is a whole nother. Like, I mean, we can't if when we eventually
1: do CCW, it's gonna be like a six episode. Yes, then.
0: like, but <laughs>
1: working over the mist. I don't mean to laugh it's uh, i mean uh, that's smart that's it's kind of smart and nick model's thinking that but and I, i i i again disagree with alvarez where he's shitting on them for having a surprise entrant but during this era that was understandable like during this era the old school way of thinking is you advertise you advertise everyone on the show like it wasn't a big thing to have surprises nowadays in wrestling there's no issue with that like yeah that have him as a big surprise. You get that huge pop when he comes out because it helps build, helps build something.
0: Um, wife beater versus Necro butcher was said to be really gruesome. And the butcher actually had his t-shirt stapled to his tongue at one point. Um, Alvarez says, I wish I can comprehend the motivation of doing something like this at an indie show. Wait, there's more in the main event. Wife Beater used a weed whacker on Mondo's back and then poured salt in a bleeding wound. They used almost 200 of the light tubes that were laid out uh, for the match uh, before Wife Beater got the uh, pin. Whatever floats your boat. Next show is September 28th. The um, Russ Memorial uh, Cup tag Tourney in Tom Trudger, New Jersey, before estimated 600 fans, was won by uh, R- RC Haas and OVW Heavyweight Champion Nova over Damaja and Doug Basham from OVW. Other guys on the show included uh, Amazing Red, uh, Low Key, Jerry Lynn, The Maximos, um, Matt Stryker with a Y, uh, Jamal, Lance Cade, Nick Dinsmore, and Steve Carino. Lots of guys gave speeches about Russ after the, sh- at the show, after the show, and it said it'd be very emotional. Okay, my faith in wrestling has been uh, momentarily restored.
1: Um, so you have three companies running in close vicinity here and all drawing several hundred people. Like, really good. Really good draws. So it goes to show you Philadelphia is still a hotbed.
0: I don't know if I believe that XPW drew 900 people because this memorial show, first off, it's a memorial show. So, you know, it's, it and, and, and it's something that, you know, people like probably watching wrestlers the Wrestler would want to go. And look at that lineup. I mean, that is a sick lineup of wrestlers like
1: yeah, but also that is where the pure wrestling fans are going. Yes. And deathmatch wrestlers or deathmatch fans are going to go to XPW or CZW, which again, they're not that far away. So even with a five o'clock start time, you fans could still make make it to both. Whether it was exactly 900 or a little bit less, like Dave and Brian both reported 900, and they both generally had different sources at this time. So. I tend to. Ble- Regardless, it's more than they were drawing in LA, for the most part. That that is true. The more that they were getting paid attendance in LA f- for most shows. Um.
0: This is uh, from the uh, September uh, 16th here. Observer Ring of Honor uh, Booker Gabe Sapolsky reportedly re- remarked he was unhappy about the company's first TV that aired this week, only saying that's because, the, like a historic uh, first of someone saying that, there's a frustration because of how difficult it is to sell tickets in Philadelphia shows based on how many promotions running there. Uh, they have a October fifth show going on head to head with XPW a few blocks away. XBW is targeted Ring of Honor is an enemy because of the address and licensing issue. Most reports have the XBW crowd closer to six to seven hundred. Most reports. Uh, But that was overall a good show. Regarding the Terry Funk injury, he got his arm sliced by a beer bottle, so it wasn't a blade wound like the famous Abdullah match. It cut him about an inch and a half deep, slicing the muscle, but luckily didn't sever a nerve or artery, which could have been serious. He was in the hospital uh, taking 21 stitches and didn't get out until 5 a.m. He was fine a few days later.
1: So this is something that rarely gets mentioned, that – Ring of Honor when they first started, they had plans for a t- for to run TV right off the bat, and they did have a TV show in 2002. Uh it didn't last long and they realized we can make more money with uh DVDs and VHS tapes. I remember
0: catching and I don't know if it was the Ring of Honor TV show that they tried or maybe it was just stuff spliced from the DVDs and the VHSs, but I remember watching on public access here, uh, Wrestle Blast and then Sports Blast. And-
1: oh, Jazz Miles didn't have any rights to that stuff. He, <laughs> yeah. was just, he was just grabbing stuff Fingers off DVDs. in of the Buffalo area,
0: and they would, they, yeah. they would show that those early 2000s. They
1: showed Ring of Honor. They showed CZW. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, like, I, I've never watched any of those TV shows. Um, it, they weren't running TV tapings in the sense of a traditional TV taping, but they were running they were doing a very ECW like where they were running, they're running the running cards running shows and filming filming matches and putting them on TV so they were pretty much just trying to take over the ECW mentality the ECW business strategy at that point uh so uh,
0: September 16th, uh, 2002, in the figure four weekly, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission was scheduled to meet on September 6th to discuss whether or not to allow XPW to ever run into state again.
1: <laughs> that didn't take long.
0: <laughs> One show. The two main concerns were that the last show was too bloody, in um, Philadelphia, think about that, <laughs> and featured excessive nudity. Uh, I was unaware of uh, uh, of this, but apparently after Terry Funk gave Lizzie Borden the pile driver to end the show, he took her panties off mid-ring. She is a porn star, so I suspect this wasn't considered excessive nudity on her part, but the commission wasn't pleased with it.
1: The meeting ended up being postponed. It's Terry Funk. Let him do what he wants.
0: (laughs) Just leave leave Terry alone. (laughs) uh, He probably just thought, like, oh, yeah, I'll get some more heat, (laughs) you know, doing this. Um September 23rd, 2002 from the uh, Observer. The America's Most Wanted show with the segment on the Attack of Messiah airs on September 21st on the Fox Network. Messiah also was the highlight of the September 14th CCW show in Philadelphia, not wrestling but cutting a promo. He said that ECW Arena was the home of CCW, not another promotion. Referring, of course, to XPW. Said that getting his thumb cut off wasn't a work. I guess nobody's smart in CCW and the wrestling rule uh, when you have a promo say something isn't a work, then everyone believes it's a work. Except in this case, they showed the stump of his thumb.
1: And how did, did people think it was a work that he didn't have it? He wasn't missing a thumb. <laughs> He said that he uh, wouldn't claim anyone in specific,
0: did it? But he said that the guy who sent the two guys didn't get the job done. He kept saying he wasn't accusing anyone while everybody in the audience figured he was applying that he that he was. After all, the audience responded with F Rob Black chance. The whole CCW locker room came out after uh, Messiah said that everyone in the company was like his brother and on the street, they'd watch his back. Uh, Danny Rose brought a F Rob Black sign in from the crowd to make sure everyone got
1: the point. Sorry, I couldn't legally make claims on Rob Black. Did it, obviously, but, but they were they were heavily pointing towards it. They were hinting at it, and the and
0: the America's most wanted show the airs. He he hinted, but he you know didn't go out and say it.
1: Yeah, and Joe Walsh shouldn't go out there and say it either, because he obviously can. That's that, um, that could be a litigious issue.
0: Uh. So let's see here. Right, so we got. Uh, we're gonna do October fourteenth, Observer, and then we'll go to the October tenth. Uh, uh, Just
1: because the Observer talks about uh, the, issues before. the October fifth Ring yep. of Honor show. Yep, October
0: fourteenth, two thousand two, Ring of Honor on October fifth in Philadelphia drew four hundred twenty five fans for a fourteen minute show, which lasted four hours. Ring of Honor and CCW, which were at war, have made peace because of a mutual hatred for XPW. <laughs> <laughs> XPW strange bedfellows. Stri- Listen, XPW is is like his United <laughs> the brings the world together. Um, XPW reportedly uh, grew about the same size uh, crowd at ECW Arena although they spent far more advertising for a show headlined uh, by Shane Douglas uh, over Chris Carino and including all the names we talked to uh, Candido. The, or, yeah, the, the Chris Carino Chris Candino, uh, and also included Danny Doring, Psychosis, Super Crazy, Vic Grimes uh, uh, Snuff and Snuff was actually the wall. <laughs> I did not know that uh 2 Greer, Chris Jetty Sam, and Halloween and Damian During the week, there was attempts to get advertised Ring of Honor talent to work on their show instead for far more money. Guys earning $100 in Ring of Honor were offered $500. Uh, Boogaloo was the only guy who took the offer and worked under a mask on the XPW show as the Ring of Honor show was going on. XPW reportedly called Steve Carino and offered him $1,000 just to show up and do a surprise run into Layout Douglas. Ring of Honor even announced on his November 9th show that it will start at 5 p.m. So fans can attend the CCW show later that night down the road. Um, during during the week, uh, both Phoenix Championship Wrestling, every promotion's getting involved here now. Uh, Don Bucci's group and CCW said they would have reps at the Ring of Honor show and kind of encourage their fans to attend. Backseat Boys from CZW worked the show beating uh, Carino, subbing for Boogaloo, and Homicide when Carino turned on Homicide in a good match. Rob Feinstein uh, introduced John Zandig of CZW, which came out with the Backseat Boys, Adam Flash, Beater, and Nate Hatred. Feinstein and Zandig hugged and everyone shook hands. No angle came of this, nor does the point was planned. Booker Gabe Sapolsky said after the show they're going to limit future shows to 10 matches max and going to make an effort to cut down on how long the shows last. The feeling was they were heading to drawing only 250 until the word got out that CCW was being there and a lot of CCW regulars came. Um.
1: So, yeah, you're seeing a lot of XPW stars now mingling with Ring of Honor, and the fact that Ring of Honor for a future show is going to start at 5 p.m., So, and encouraging fans to go work both, or go attend both. So they're they're kind of going out of the way here to try to help other local indies combat the dead foreigners. (laughs)
0: Uh, It's, you know, it's just funny because, you know, the Ring of Honor CCO angle actually doesn't happen until years later. Uh, But it could have been something that might work for them in both in 2002.
1: It shows that they were friendly.
0: Yeah, and it shows that like, the fans kind of wanted it. Yeah, it seemed like. Um, all right, so now uh, October fifth, XPW Fallout. So they running. Remember, they're running the same night as Ring of Honor. At the, they're there at the Viking Hall in Philadelphia. Pogo the Clown defeats the Sandman. Chris Chetty defeating Chris Hamrick. XPW World Tag Title. Mexico's most wanted. Damien Sese and Halloween defeated the Dead Presidents. Boogaloo and Lowrider. Uh, Vic Grimes defeated Malice. Huberto Guerrero defeated Julio De Niro. Psychosis defeating Super Crazy. XBW King of the Deathmatch title where Alter Boy Luke defeats Supreme. Danny dorring defeats Chaos with GQ Money and Veronica Kane. And an XBW World Heavyweight title, Shane Douglas uh, defeated Chris Candino. Tammy was with Candino. Lizzie Borden with Shane Douglas. Look at this card. A lot of the Deathmatch guys aren't around. Like, you got Supreme and you got Alter Boy Luke, but now that you're on the East Coast and... You're, you're starting to really use ECW guys and and, and guys of uh, ring of honor type guys, the guys of that ilk. You know, a lot of obviously former ECW guys on this show. But
1: uh, at least they were smart by putting Douglas and Candido in the main, knowing that's going to draw in, in Philly.
0: In a work rate mindset, this is probably one of the best shows XBW ever put on. Yeah. If you look who's on there. And
1: I, I mean, really only one King of the Death match match like. I, I'm sure the, which there's has, weapons in other matches, but, like...
0: Which is Alter Boy Luke, and Luke Hawks can work Southern style if he needs to. You yeah.
1: Know, you know? I mean, I don't know
0: how, you know, diverse he was in style in 2002, but nowadays, Luke Hawks, still out there, could do any type of style for you. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it is... A, I mean, that's it, a pretty stacked show, and they only... It's it's to show that they only drew around the same as Ring of Honor, which obviously didn't have that type of star power in in 2002.
1: Yeah, well, Ring of Honor like drawing 450 for Ring of Honor for an average show that's about that was about on par for that era. I mean, still on, kind of on par for today's era.
0: And, and you know, and, and it just goes this this these wars. That Rob Black likes to have. If he would have just focused on his own product and not trying to go to war with ECW or Epic, like you said, Epic Promotions, or now it's Ring of Honor and CCW. And, you know, if he wasn't trying to go to war with everybody, just focus on his own product, he might have had longevity, especially in the Philadelphia area.
1: And let's just look at this for a second. You have XPW main event, Douglas against Candido. The Ring of Honor main event for the same night running down the road at the Murphy Rec Center main event was Christopher Daniels against Doug Williams. So, yeah, XPW put on some good technical wrestling matches, but, yeah. You You're have, getting
0: Christopher Daniels <laughs> and Douglas Williams at our pride.
1: Uh, you have Low-Key versus Samojo. <laughs>
0: Danielson on that show, too? Uh, v-
1: no. But there is Michael Shane against Paul London and Spanky in a three-way.
0: T- TWA showcase.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Karina was on the show. Amazing Red's on the show. Tony Mamaluke. uh Homicide. Quiet Storm. Special K. The SATs. Backseat Boys, Homicide, as I said. Uh, So you, it's a typical stacked show during this era. Jay Briscoe against Xavier. So so. they, but but regardless, Rig of Honor came out of the came right out of the shoot with a really good card running at the same time. So, yeah, 400... 425 twenty-five's kind of disappointing with that type of card, um, but it shows that Ring of Honor wasn't playing around. like they're gonna run on this same exact day, and they're gonna they're gonna bring it because were there's definitely fly-ins on the show.
0: Yeah, no, they, they they wanted to put out a really good show. Yeah, um, I mean Douglas Williams is flying.
1: <laughs> they're not playing around. Yeah,
0: uh, October 28, two thousand two. Uh, for whatever it's worth, and since it was done on XPW television, probably isn't worth much according to dave but on the october 21st uh tv uh, show they did an interview with sandman who claimed that the november 16th show in philadelphia would be his final match and they're calling it the show exit the sandman in the interview he claimed wrestling was no fun anymore but that he didn't uh I want to use the word retirement," <laughs> he said. That he's uh, tired of the travel and not seeing his kids. That he's broken bones in his neck, ribs, and had numerous concussions. And is a few months shy of forty, and is having a hard time getting out of bed. He said that he's accomplished his life's dream, and said he always wanted to be a wrestler since the age of four. And he made money and got to travel and have f- fun, but he can't play with his kids. And said uh, that he will, uh, but said he can't say he'll never wrestle
1: again. Retirement. And he, he never wrestled again, did he? <laughs> no, not at all.
0: <laughs> <sighs> you could still work Sandman will still come and wrestle shows. I mean, he usually does his cane spot and stuff, but in 2021, Sandman will still work for you.
1: When did he What did he work with him in Erie? Was that 2018? I may mean, I don't think I was around her in
0: that period. I may have not been around there. I know he came in the ESW and basically caned everybody.
1: Yeah. He came in uh drunk and caned everyone and uh had had a had some fun times at the after party. He had a great time at the after party. <laughs> oh. Yeah, more ways than one. But um yeah, I mean, he came in in two thousand I wanna say it had it been two thousand eighteen. It was the uh two thousand seventeen, it was the anniversary show for this company who worked in Erie and he drove in, did his uh did his spot in main event of the first half. Sold pictures and then left immediately, immediately after, and drove home. And said he, he said his kid had a football game the next morning. They had to get get home to. Not sure if, which kid he's referring to, but uh, yeah, he's still out there hustling and still trying to make money.
0: Yeah, he's he's one of the more affordably priced uh, cameos too. Yeah, to get a cameo for an or, or or like all the ads, if you want to. Give your mother a Mother's Day cameo.
1: I'm getting a lot of that. Like, fan fan of the show, Tim Jacoy has been sending me screenshots of that a lot where – I I got Vince Russo on mine. I laughed so hard. Yo, Mrs. Gullo, this is Vince Russo. (laughs) But, yeah, it says give your mom a cameo for Mother's Day. It's a picture of New Jack. I've seen that one. He would probably cut a good promo. He would be a good Mother's Day promo because yeah. he he probably like, Mother, mother's.
0: Day. I, I I guarantee New Jack would cut a good promo for for a Mother's Day. The, the I can't see Vince Russo cutting a good Mother's Day promo. No, no. The not
1: the the other Undertaker on the NDC, not Mark Calloway, but the other one, like the shown up too, and Mother a, a cameo for him from him. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh man,
0: so. Well, uh, so <laughs> we'll we will uh, m- move on here and uh, to the uh, uh, report, November 18, thousand and two, from the Observer. Shane Douglas was guesting the Observer live in November tenth and said the plan was for XBW six months or so down the road would be to run a six to eight house shows per month. Now they're running like once a month here at this point, or once every other month, and expanded to several new markets, mentioning New Orleans as being cleared for TV and hoping to get Pittsburgh as well. He also talked about wanting to bring in Sean Stasiak and Mike Awesome to the group. Sean Stasiak and XPW. (laughs) He said that Sandman wanted to remain with the company in some form, but his body is beaten up and wants to wind down as a wrestler.
1: So Shane is a nice guy. Do you think think this was all being fed to Shane by Rob Black or by XPW and he just took his face area and believed it? So like if uh, he was told, Oh, we've got we're, we're clear for T V in New Orleans New Orleans, we're working with yes. like, these guys, like we're gonna expand to six Because Shane knows the economics of pro wrestling. He I don't think he's just gonna go off and just say, like, feds they're running once a month, drawing a few hundred that now they're just all automatically undo six to eight house shows. I, I feel like Rob Black would have told him this is what we're doing and for all intents and purposes, Shane could believe it because Rob black has the money. I mean, I,
0: I definitely, I definitely agree. I do. I think that Shane maybe try to reach out to Mike Osman, Sean Stasiak himself and probably say, yeah, but I mean, at this point, both were released in the fall of 2002. So this is right around the time they yeah. they got released. And I think this is the beginning of the 90 day. No competes. If, if I'm if, around this time period, if, if, if I'm uh. If I'm not wrong.
1: WWE was starting to at least enforce that, yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, it, that but yeah, I thing. think he, he's, but he's,
0: I mean, he's probably getting paid really well at this point. He yeah. knows WWE and him are getting it along. There is no TNA right now. There, well, right,
1: there is, but it's not. No, anything. not, uh, do they appear to, to, to or, yeah, they do. Yeah, two thousand two, but it wasn't like, 2003 was, was right. a crazy, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. So there's a TNA, but they're not, they're not that.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not doubting that the Shane wasn't being paid well for his his role. But again, like I'm, I, I'm seeing this as Shane's paid well. He's he doesn't hear any stories of anyone getting bounced checks, with, except obviously. Uh, and if the owner of this company that also owns a successful porn company is telling him, "We're going to run six to eight shows a month. We're going to we're looking for new talent," I can see Shane Douglas believing it and probably. Shane probably said, like, I can get Sean Stacey, I can get Mike Awesome, and had probably vouched for XPW to them, saying, like, hey, the money's good here. Or at least there is money, it's not going to bounce. Um.
0: So November 16th, uh, 2002, exit Sandman, the apparently Sandman retirement show. In 2002, folks, uh, we had Sharkboy defeating Chris Chetty, uh, XPW World uh, Tag Title, where Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien say in Halloween defeated the Ted Presidents, Boogaloo, and Lowrida, uh, Malice defeated Chris Hamrick, Psychosis defeated Super Crazy. We had a XPW King of the Death match three way dance where Alter Boy Luke defeated Angel and Supreme Snow so Angels popping in the Philly shows. Uh, we have Chaos uh, defeating Danny Doring for the TV title. And then in the World Heavyweight title match, Shane Douglas with Lizzie Bourne uh, defeated Chris Candido with Tammy Sitch and Vic Grimes in a three way dance. Um,. I I I tend to forget how long Vic Grimes's XPW run was. It's it's crazy how long he stayed around, um, especially after they allowed him to be thrown off of
1: scaffold. And according to Cage Match, Joey Styles did commentary for the show.
0: That make a lot of sense. You know, that that that, that would make a ton of sense. Um,
1: Wait, did I miss something? Did did Sandman not wrestle on his last show? Uh he's not listed in the results no
0: I don't think he's on there I mean we know sometimes Cage Match has inaccuracies here and there so maybe he did and it's not on there and at this point you could tell David Malvarez stopped caring about putting the results of XPW on because they um, did, not, did not put on the last two
1: shows uh no uh he okay. does. It, it, we get into it later on. We, okay, we go so they it, have yeah. it late. Okay, yeah. Okay. There, there's there's a lot leading up to that show. Okay, so he just didn't didn't actually. Uh, he wasn't involved in an actual match. He wasn't booked for an actual match. All right,
0: so we're gonna get right into here. November twenty fifth, two thousand two. But he didn't list. They did not list the 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 October fifth show as far as results. They just said the names they had. So uh, November twenty fifth, two thousand two, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission, which has adopted a hands off approach to pro wrestling in the state, uh, after strong lobbying uh, years ago by the WWF, held a meeting on November sixteenth and decreed the state would be adopting and enforcing new regulations. On October 16th, Commissioner Greg Serb decreed that barbed wire and light tubes are now banned within the state, as is fighting outside the barricades and into the crowd. Serb said if any wrestler was in the crowd while bleeding, they would pull the promoter's license. He also asked promotions to cut back on excessive blood. Uh... This all stems from the incident at the August 31st show, uh, XPW show in Philadelphia, when wrestler Angel, who was bleeding, ended up in the women's bathroom, bled on the daughter of a local judge. Who was in attendance of the show. There was a complaint about excessive blood on the show as well as his excessive nudity during an angle involving Rob Black's wife. The porn star goes by Lizzie Borden. They also brought up the use of light tubes, uh, at the November Knife Sanding versus wife beater match and the usage of a weed whacker. And that would be for uh
1: for, CZW. for CZW. so CZW, it's yep. so it's not just X P W that's like no, X P W was the catalyst, but C Z W was also getting but blamed.
0: CZW's doing this stuff. And nothing's happening.
1: XPW was the one. Now, first of all, if you're a judge, <laughs> why are you going to a deathmatch show? Well, his daughter, when he... he, he no, it said there. he was there. It says he... Oh, no. Okay. The daughter of a local you're, judge. Yeah, She's I, I rebelling against her judge dad. When I said who was in attendance at the show, I thought I meant the judge. But, but st- okay. J- judge dad or judge
0: mom, whatever the judge was. But, yeah, rebelling against her judge dad. How parents. old was the daughter? <laughs> that we don't know.
1: Like, if she's 15 years old, then the, then the judge has an issue. She was like 30 years old. <laughs> She's an adult. Come on. The
0: uh, um, the the first show that was affected uh, was the XBW show held later that night in Philadelphia, which included an interview by Supreme prior to a scheduled weapons death match about the situation. Historically, as the blood and bleeding issues of the past have shown when it comes to the commission enforcement regulations of pro wrestling, as time goes by, they usually start falling by the wayside. In recent Philadelphia news... A lot oh, wait,
1: wait, wait. I'm... Don't mean to cut you off. I, I, but, I know. I kind of know where you're going but with this. The commission met on November 16th and said, we're not going to allow this. And then the show that night, they started enforcing it. There's no grace period. There's no, right, we need to write this down and send this out, whether email or snail mail, to the promoters to explain it. It's like, nope. The inspector showing up that night, being, "Hey, three hours ago, we decided no death matches ever again in PA." That's some county, that's some county shit right there. But that's even bad for New, by like New York standards.
0: A lot of this is what really caused New Jersey to blow up uh, as a wrestling hotbed.
1: Thank you, Pennsylvania. Now we have to drive to Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, still, though,
0: Pennsylvania is timid compared to New York's regulations. Uh, in, in a related Philadelphia news, a lot of maneuvering is going around, including uh, the end of, uh, with the indie Promotion Wars in the City. XPW is attempting to get exclusive lease to the Viking Hall. Ring of Honor, when it got uh, word of this being attempted, signed an exclusive uh, lease a nearby Murphy Rec Center, figuring the promotions kicked out of the Viking Hall would want to run there. That's smart on Ring of Honor. Uh, the belief is that if XPW is successful, that CCW would renovate uh, the building that they used to run their major shows at in Sewell, New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes outside of Philadelphia. CCW moved its big shows out of New Jersey when the state passed a law cracking down on so-called extreme wrestling, so their trademark blood and weapons garbage match couldn't take place. With Pennsylvania's ruling, they wouldn't be able to do those matches in either state. Of the three companies that were uh, running regularly, ECW Arena. Along with the other indies that book shows there, CCW was drawing by far the biggest crowds. Uh, the group whose future should XPW get the exclusive may be most affected is Blue, uh, Blue Meanies 3PW Wrestling, which mostly uses ECW stars and headlines bringing in bigger stars. We'll see from the past such as Dusty Rhodes and Kevin Sullivan on their next show. And, yeah, so, yeah, they do cover the res- – uh, Dave does cover the results mid- mid-while here, and then he, and he breaks into the uh, his recap of this oh, show.
1: And I, I do like – like you said, it was a smart thing for Ring of Honor, but as we were just talking about Ring of Honor working with other feds, Ring of Honor was looking out for themselves at that point because they, they got the exclusive deal in Murphy, Murphy Rock Center. But it will
0: thinking, look like they're helping people out. Oh, yeah, hey, CCW, hey, 3 If they wanted hey, CCW hey, to
1: run Murphy Rock Center, but, yeah, yeah. – but they were just basically over. looking out for themselves at that point because they, they probably knew CCW would be desperate to find a location. So they wanted to lock in their venue.
0: Um, XBW uh, ran on uh, November 16th in Philadelphia among 450 fans with the announced big surprise return of Joey Styles at the old ECW arena. Funny thing about XBW attendance. For his debut show in Philadelphia, their website claimed at 937 paid, a number nobody took seriously at the time. Well,
1: sorry that I took it seriously.
0: But... Dave and Brian both yeah, yeah. reported it. They, they, they didn't they ju- judge about. it until an issue later. Like, they both reported it. And, you know, when nothing against Meltzer or, or, or Alvers, but the, the XBW hate is like a, a pendulum right there. Um, and the state. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. The state athletic commissions formed the, the paid attendance for the same show was listed as ninety
1: <laughs> so so a little uh 'll be on the curtain for uh for wrestling fans that have never dealt with commissions. You get tax on the tickets in most states, so you have to pay a tax for the amount of tickets sold so a common practice is to inflate your attendance to the fans and Minimize your attendance to athletic commissions. That's a huge discrepancy there. Like if they said three hundred, four hundred, that's understandable. That saying nine thirty-seven paid or nine hundred nine hundred nine hundred ish, and then saying ninety. Or do you th- do? You think XPW was just bad? They just left off the extra zero.
0: I mean, they could have loved the extra, but or they they had they were probably smartened up. You probably couldn't get away with that in California, but in Pennsylvania, yeah,
1: I've heard California is pretty strict with uh, because they don't have an athletic commission, but they do have someone showing up if they have uh, if you're charging admission because they do get a tax, so people do show up and count heads. Um, I know the way New York works is they only charge you on. Uh, how many tickets you print and you sell, so walk up doesn't count uh not officially, so you could fudge those numbers a little bit, but that 's weird again like i don 't think anyone in Pennsylvania was even checking
0: and an x p w teased a surprise where they turned off the the lights uh and uh they played old ECW music at Taz and Raven and Dreamer and Rob Van Dam and people were getting excited. People were turning on the lights and it was Joey Styles. Don't get me wrong, it's great that it's Joey Styles, but teasing the fans like that, even though all those guys are under deals somewhere. Yeah, they're they're under they're, I think they're all on WWE contract. Raven may even still be lingering.
1: Raven I think was probably in impact or in TNA at that time, but still. Um
0: the uh, the word has uh, largely gotten out days for a show that Styles claimed he signed a long-term contract with XPW. Douglas introduced him, but then Styles turned babyface on Douglas. Douglas threatened Styles before Chris Candino and Tammy Sitch, who was one of wrestling's all-time tragedies. Well, that's that's, that's, that's prefacing in 2002. Uh, made the oh, save... Dave. Uh, they had a weapons match scheduled for Supreme versus Altar Boy Luke versus Angel. Supreme, uh, then, before the match was announced, claiming that it was due to CZW complaining to the Athletic Commission that they weren't allowed to use a lot of weapons or barbed wire. He said not to blame the commission because they were just doing their job and XPW isn't going to whine and complain about it. So then when he whined and complained about it, blaming the other promotions in the area were scared crying to the commission and specifically mentioned CZW and Zandig and said it was all their fault and there will be that there will be no more death matches in Pennsylvania. He said Zandig screwed the fans. This show was built around Sandman's retirement. Well, guess what? In the shocker of the year, it was an angle and he's not retiring. Samman was out for his retirement ceremony with his son and his daughter. Pogo the clown came out, and Samman hit him with a few cane shots. Samman accidentally hit his son Tyler with a shot as Man was hitting Pogo with cane shots. His daughter asked him to stop since Tyler was down as Samman hugged his daughter and stopped, she gave him a low blow. The Samman's daughter turned on him and left with Pogo. She cut a promo saying Tyler was always his favorite and left. Uh, Sandman uh, then cut a promo challenging Pogo. The repeat of an old ECW angle is almost pathetic. Douglas beat Candino and Vic Grimes in a three-way main event. Sandman came to the ring after the match and said if the six fans that came to the ring and drink beer with him, he wouldn't retire. Well, guess what? Sandman introduces his three-year-old son Oliver to the crowd and said moments are like this why he never wants to leave wrestling. crowd was really into Sharkboy. Um, as it turns out, Epic has gone belly up after being uh, uh, canceled by promoter Gary Yap Couldn't come up with the money for uh, building rent. He owed several wrestlers money and had bounced some checks. How ironic is that? <laughs> it's about some checks for recent shows, including Sabu's last appearance. The big problem is that he never informed anyone um, of this problem. And so wrestlers came on acro- around the country, including Sabu and Jerry Lynn, as well as a lot of Japanese press before the dragon thing was well pre- Uh, Publicized there A lot of uh, guys drove from long distances And the real heat was the belief that Yap knew several days ahead of time That he didn't have the money to run the show But didn't tell anyone not to come Dragon was scheduled for a three-way with Super Dragon And Ultimo Dragon on the show A lot of the uh, wrestlers when they found the building uh, Locked up when they arrived Went to the Anaheim Flea Market Because there was a story that they were moving the show there But didn't happen in that location And wanted more than three hours advance to hold a show So Gary Yap, who put on his television of Rob Black bouncing a check, bounces checks. And then books, which to me is a pretty cool dream match, that never happened.
1: I don't think we ever got
0: Ultimo Dragon, Super Dragon,
1: and American Dragon Uh, in a three-way. From doing research, especially on the SoCal Uncensored board, Gary Yap was not a well-liked guy.
0: And his but, his name still <laughs> pops up here and there.
1: Yeah. Um a lot of bounce checks, a lot of just Carney taking money, like taking money from fans and not delivering. And I do want to go back briefly of the Sandman incident, uh, with Pogo. I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. <laughs> where uh Salmon's daughter turned on him and left with Pogo. She was fifteen. That's you could say that was the something for that time, or like it was okay in that time, period. I don't think it's okay any time, but. I,
0: I, I agree with you, and, man. Like the connotation S- of Sand that man is. Sandman has no shame getting his family of all the wrestling angles.
1: No. <laughs>
0: like, not at all. I remember Lori Fullerton became a uh, follower of Raven, so.
1: Yeah. And so did this son. And so
0: did Tyler, yeah. The, the, Tyler's been in quite, I think, I know Tyler tried MMA, but I don't know if he ever actually tried wrestling. I don't
1: know. Yeah, It'd be interesting to to look up that um, there's another father-son tag: Sandman and Tyler against Bobby Cannon and his son. <laughs> there, there we go. No random. That's, that's that's a spring break match right there. Um, December second, two thousand
0: two, from the Observer regarding last week's uh, bid for the exclusively exclusive at the old ECW arena. Uh, CCW is also negotiating with the uh, building for similar rights. There's been talk that if Zandig gets it or not XPW, he'll allow 3PW to continue running because it's really an XPW versus CCW feud. If XPW gets it, then 3PW will be
1: out in the cold. So the owner of the ECW arena has a good deal going on because he has a bidding war going on.
0: Yeah. Which he, though, may make more money just letting all these people run from him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He would, but if XPW is, obviously, they have money, they're going to throw way more money than they would make renting to all these venues renting to all these feds uh december
0: 9 2002 in the philadelphia indy wars uh we've been writing about xpw is claiming to have an exclusive lease at viking hall in philadelphia starting in january They shot a TV angle, (laughs) and there's so much funny things to go with that. They shot a TV angle where Shane Douglas ran over Vic Grimes to set up a match on December 21st in Philadelphia, and we're also running both November 17th and, I'm sorry, no, January 17th and January 18th in the same building. Um,
1: Any time someone runs someone over with a car, I just think of the Mike Samples (laughs) video (laughs) of how, like, anyone that gets hit by a car really doesn't take it. They just Basically, just a car is going five miles an hour, and they just either jump up on the hood or just bump sideways off the side. I th- I will say though, I think for cinematic purposes, hey, getting
0: hit by a car might be better get hit by just a big tire. <laughs> I don't know, just me.
1: I mean, the tire would have to be moving fast for <laughs> yes. that, yeah.
0: Because it, it, depending on the, the the talent, if they can't get a lot of velocity on it. You, know, you
1: should be able to sell better uh, a giant tire. The
0: game changer back air wrestling car thing was with G raver and no, I, I, and Jimmy
1: Lloyd. That was done. I well. will give. I, yeah, I will give. Was that was done very well. That that was done. Yeah, that's the one time in the Indies that it was done right. Um, like you could, you could, you could cause damage, but yeah, it was done right uh December
0: uh 16 2002 we're we'll get hit to the XPW results that happened before this uh, after all this uh stuff uh, XBW signed its ex- 3 year exclusive lease at Viking Hall which goes into effect on January 1st, lasting through December 31st, 2006, believed to be a guaranteed $8,000 a month. The lease was actually signed on October 5th, but was specified not to go into effect till 2003. This eliminates CCW and 3PW from the building. CCW won't be going back to Sewell, New Jersey, for its big show since the building has new owners and apparently is going to run in another Philadelphia venue, while 3PW may be out in the cold. Uh, The lease uh, would be terminated should uh, XPW stop promoting regularly in that building or if their license were to be revoked by the Athletic Commission. XPW has a two-year option to maintain exclusivity uh, through the end of 2008. XBW is going to renovate the arena, adding a ramp for ring entrances and other changes. And then we also have another note before the show results on December 23rd, 2002, CCW will be running on December 28th with their final show at Viking hall before XBW takes its exclusive lease with a 1 PM start. Um, This means that it will be an afternoon show in the building plus an evening show by 3PW. A third show takes place a few blocks away From Ring of Honor, CZW and 3PW are working together to try to promote it as a doubleheader, and each will send wrestlers to each other's show, making uh, Ring of Honor the odd promotion out.
1: So, guaranteed eight thousand per month. That's way more than rent would would have been to run to run there for CZW and 3PW. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, um, I'm assuming rent is a few hundred a month or a few hundred per show especially in a it, even a venue like that like Eastmere and I can't see them charging thousands for for rent and if like a deal 8000 per month it's that's definitely way more than they would make renting to all these other feds. that's that's wasteful money for no reason other than to just brag to say that I'm with the exclusive promotion of this. Well, they
0: rename it the XVW Arena and starting with this show. I mean, it's been renamed. A million things. Um, <laughs> December 21st, 2002. Chris Hamrick defeats Sharkboy, Boy, the XPW Television Title. Danny Doring uh, defeated Chaos by disqualification. Four way elimination. Jerry Lane, Jerry Lynn, and Johnny Storm uh, defeated Joey Matthews and Zebra Kid. Uh, XPW King of the Death Matches Title. Supreme defeated Alter Boy Luke. With uh, and then Tracy Smothers uh, defeating Angel. XPW World Tag Team Title. Euthanasia, uh, Josh Prohibition, and Matt Cross defeated Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien Say and Halloween. Uh, to become the champs, Psychosis defeated Chris Chetty, Pogo the Clown defeated Sam Sandman, and then in, for the XBW World Heavyweight title, Shane Douglas defeated Vic Grimes, and that would be the last XPW show of 2002. Uh, and what Dave had to say here is: XPW ran December twenty first for about four hundred fans. They advertised a million surprises, so they had a surprise ref in the Danny Doring vs. Chaos TV title match, Bill Alfonso, who had been working with three PW in the market. Uh, they did a death match with Supreme over Alter Boy Luke in what was billed as a House of Horrors match, including Supreme taking a bump on mouse traps and Luke taking a bump through a table on a thumbtacks. They did the lights turning off gimmick and when they turn on, Devin Storm was in the ring, also known as Crowbar. Josh Prohibition and M-Dog 20 of CV- CCW jumped over and won the tag titles from Halloween and Damien. They're now called Josh and Matt, and Matt using a shooting star press. Pogo the Clown uh, beat Sandman with in a lights-out titanium-dipped shovel match with Sandman's wife, Lori, turned on him and hit him with his own cape. <laughs> I think I've seen this one before, Dave says. "Maine saw Shane Douglas uh, over Vic Grimes, who had uh, Shannon War, a.k.a. Uh, Daphne, now known as Lucy as his new manager.
1: Well, the, she could call herself Daphne, WB said he wasn't suing her. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think WB was looking for those trademarks at no. that
0: point. Um, the plan seems to be to run two consecutive nights at Viking Hall once per month, starting with, uh, this, I'm sorry, January 17th to January 18th. Saves on cost, but running two straight nights in the same building on a regular basis hasn't worked as far as drawing paid attendance for any company. I mean, WB... Uh, we'll do it a few times at its peak, but it would be in cities that only ran every 6 to 12 months, not a monthly deal. A few groups in Japan do it at and Hall, but nobody has pulled it off in the U.S. other than Wildside, and they draw 90 to 150 fans. I
1: mean, he's he's not wrong. I've worked for some indie feds that have done that, and what happens is you basically just split the audience. You have fans, you have fans going to one or the other. Whichever one has a match that's announced that they want to see over another, it's just for budgeting and cost prohibitive. Like a fan, you know, oh
0: the two nights and I don't know if I can because I'm I'm buying two tickets and I'm buying food at both shows and then uh, you're buying merch, I Buying merchandise at both shows and then travel and then oh if it's a Friday Saturday oh you might have to get at work a little early on Friday. Like there's a lot to go into it, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean especially during this era, it wasn't. The whole idea of an excursion for fans really wasn't a thing. Uh, I, I would have honestly should have ran just every two weeks, or like middle of the month, end of the month. If you and get- just spread it out that way, because also at the time, you getting if a fan's getting paid do you want you want to spread it out at least every two weeks, then uh, it's more affordable.
0: And with a show like this, like, you know, XPW and and like that, you don't want to like, it's not, I always think, and I still to this day think that a, maybe a wrestling show in Vegas would work like every night, multiple times a day. It's the same wrestling show because you're constantly getting a new flow of people in Las Vegas, yeah. you know, but like it, it, it's the same base. Like, like you said, it splits up the fans It and, 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 how much more different is show two going to be from show one? I mean, yeah, it will be different, but it's like, you know, it's a big investment financially for for someone to do
1: yeah. that. I mean, your diehards are still going to go there. Like I said, 2CW back in the day did Binghamton one night, Syracuse the other, Watertown and Syracuse. They were always do double shots, but they're always an hour away. So you were getting the diehard fans that would travel to both, but the vast majority of the crowd are local to that market
0: yeah I mean it's I I don't I don't understand it you know but there's a lot of things i have said that <laughs> on here. Um, January 6 2003 from The Observer the weekend highlight was three shows within blocks of each other in Philadelphia on December 28th. CZW ran an afternoon show as its final event at Viking Hall. We didn't get a crowd but it wasn't good partially because it came two weeks after a major show in the building plus going head to head with an Eagles game didn't help either.
1: Uh, All right. You continue. I'm going to look to see if the Eagles were playing at home because ECW Arena, Viking Hall is a few blocks away. Is that even for parking? (laughs) That's like... Yeah. Like...
0: Uh, the, well, well, I'm going to continue while you're doing. That. They open the show with Trent Acid and Johnny Cashmere mocking him, Dog Twenty and Josh Prohibition. Not set up to be an angle, but to bury them because they jumped Xbw. In the promo, Acid and Cashmere said they were t- these two guys shared a locker room with Messiah and learned nothing from it, and they were never welcome in CCW again. Zandig came out and continued uh, the attempted burial. Zandig later in the show announced that they were moving to a new building called the CZW Arena that holds 1600 and is attached to a local strip club. The first show in the building would be uh, January 18th, which will go head to head with an XPW show in Viking Hall. The match of the night uh, was a three way between Ruckus, Chris Cash, and Jody Fleisch, including uh, Fleisha. Uh, I'm sorry, including uh, Fleisha uh, doing his walking up the wall moonsault and a shooting star press off the arena stage. The billing uh, that there would be a uh, 3PW match on a CCW show and vice versa didn't end up happening. From what we've been told, there was discussions about doing this deal but was never finalized. Instead, CZW sent ca- acid and cashmere to the Ring of Honor show. Um, Now, uh, Ring of Honor drew a packed house of 500 in its show, headlined by a four-way, 45-minute draw to determine the number one contender for their title with Steve Carino, who attacked an injured homicide and then replaced him, going against Samoa Joe, Loki, and American Dragon. The crowd has changed. A lot of the CCW fans came in. The Backseat Boys got the best reaction, and the CCW audience is a lot wilder and more vocal when it comes to things they don't like. They aren't coming back to Philadelphia until March, but we but are doing an anniversary show on February 8th in Queens. Now the 3PW show, which uh, drew about 275 fans for a decent show, which saw Pitbull Gary Wolf win their title over Sabu, Sabu slipped on a top rope and took a bad fall onto the floor, but he was able to continue and finish the match. The biggest news on the show was Dusty Rhodes no-showing his match with Abdul the Butcher. The promotion uh, posted signs in front of the building alerting fans that Rhodes wouldn't be there, and there was a claim that it was because XPW had paid off Rhodes for the no-show. We're told the story is Rhodes and Jasmine and St. Clair had words regarding a problem on a last-minute plane ticket with two flight connections from Atlanta to Philadelphia and a ticket made out to Dusty Rhodes, which is not his real name. <laughs> when trying to get it fixed, things fell apart, and he decided uh, against coming uh, Ron Killings, who had been working for XPW, and uh, Two Gold Scorpio, also no-showed. At the, uh, at the show, they also did announce a return date just saying check on their website for a new date in a new building as they've yet to secure a new location. Bam Bam Bigelow did a sub in for Rhodes, which is a match described as horrible. Funniest part of the match is Bigelow tried to pull butcher by the leg outside and brawl on the outside. Butcher was so fat that his right breast ended up hooking the bottom rope and Bigelow couldn't pull him out. And butcher literally pushed up on the bottom rope to free himself and allow Bigelow to pull him out. The other match uh, saw Kid Cash uh, pin six after a pile drive uh, middle off the middle rope. That sounds good. Uh six uh uh, appeared to suffer a stinger and ended up being carried out of the ring on a stretcher uh, before he was carried out. he went to the house, to make an apologize for his performance. Funny since our reports listed his match and the Joey Matthews and Sawa match as the best bat bouts on the show and said that he uh, wouldn't return to XPW. Or I'm sorry, three PW until he heals up and can go a hundred percent. And then a leaflet has been distributed in Viking hall, complaining about the lease of uh, the building to XPW due to its porn ties and the several and several of its wrestling personnel also perform in the porn videos it's also complains about the noise problems from the proposed concerts that would hold in the building uh, to help pay their 120000 per year lease.
1: So they're planning on running some concerts there. but So, uh, like the, yeah, Leaflets was distributed in the area around Viking Hall, which they, that's not a good area. Like They're mostly businesses, and it's the ghetto, so I don't think anyone's going to care about that.
0: It's crazy with those names that 3PW drew the lease. Yeah,
1: yeah. which here's the thing. So I looked it up. Uh, it was Philadelphia at the New York Giants. So it wasn't right on the corner. Uh, Saturday game is week 17. It was a 1.30 p.m. start.
0: So that's like a, that's so the, a, that could be a playoff implication game, though, too.
1: But, like, yeah. But also, like, noticing it's a 1.30 p.m. start on a Saturday. So you think 3PW, that was the final show. So you think, like, they would have did better. Because any Philly fans would or any Eagles fans would have watched the game and then went to PBW afterwards. So, but I, I don't fault the f- promotions for running because they're running on a Saturday. Like we run in the same issues up here in Buffalo with the Bills. Yeah, it's very you
0: don't run on Sundays with with, with the Buffalo Bills.
1: You don't run on Sunday at all during football season. But also, you don't run on Saturdays. You kind of you. You're kind of ske- it's kind of sketchy to run in December in Buffalo, just obviously because of the weather. Um, but like there was uh, there was one year recently the Bill was played on a Saturday that we almost ran a show on.
0: Yeah, you because the NFL does that that those Saturday games, the flex the scheduling. On yeah, AM.
1: and it's it's very hard. Actually, no, it's impossible to run in Buffalo against a Bills game.
0: Yeah, flex scheduling is something that, like, especially in a football diehard market, like you could put all this press and book all these guys, and then and then you'll find out three weeks before your show that oh, we're because the Bills are doing so good, we're going to flex that game against the Broncos on Saturday night.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, and uh, the Giants didn't make it to the playoffs; uh, they were fifth seed, so. I'm guessing that would have been uh, wild yeah. card.
0: Uh, not a wild card playoff yet because it was week 17. Oh, I mean they, they would have been.
1: Uh, Philly was impl- Philly, Was Philly in a playoff that year?
0: No. No. Okay. The it was before McNabb started really coming into his own.
1: Wait, wait. wait what, what was their record? Oh, the, the Eagles. Were, oh, the Eagles were 12 and f- four. So yeah. So this is definitely a playoff implication game. Did, did I read that wrong? Oh yeah. No, they. Uh, I I was looking at the wild so, card. Yeah, I wasn't looking. They got the bye. They got okay. the bye. But, yeah, uh, and the Giants were – where are the Giants? Yeah, the division. They're – same division. Giants were 10-6. and six. Yeah. So, they, yeah. These are – Division division playoff – yeah. With, yeah. Last game of the year, two teams that are going
0: to the playoffs, very good teams, at, especially at that time period. I mean, you're talking a Giants team that recently won the Super Bowl and a Philadelphia team that was on their way to success with Donovan McNabb. So, yeah.
1: As as the first seed in the NFC, yeah. yeah. like. But again, that's not their fault. It's just that's just bad timing. And you're not going to reschedule three shows running on the same day.
0: Uh, we have a, a note here on the January 20th Observer Justice Payne jump from CCW to XPW will debut on the January 17th at Viking Hall against Supreme.
1: Do you think and, a lot of people jumping now because XPW has the, the least, uh, the the least exclusive the and, and, and the, this, they know it's guaranteed bookings?
0: Exactly. And I think they know XPW will still do the death matches and not care Um and then the Observer Awards, the 2002 Observer Awards, XPW won Worst Promotion, beating out uh, WWA, WWE, New Japan, AAA, NWTNA, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and CCW in that order.
1: And, so and XPW got 198 votes, <laughs> WWE only got 111, WWE 79, New Japan 72, and it goes down from there. The CCW got nine votes. <laughs>
0: So uh, we'll get into the, it, we talked about it, the back-to-back shows here uh, for XPW We'll start with January 17th uh, here at the XPW Arena, Ash. <laughs> uh, and it was Pogo the Clown defeating Simon Diamond, XPW World Tag Titles, Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien in Halloween, uh, defeating Euthanasia, Josh, and then Matt Cross. Uh, we had a four-way where Psychosis uh, defeated Chris Chetty and Christian Newark and Sonny Siaki. Sonny Siaki being XPW is something I would have never known until today. Um, Julio De Niro defeated Chris Candino. Uh, XPW King of the Death Matches settled, where Supreme defeated Justice Payne. Lucy and Vic Crime, so Lucy's Lucy da- is Daphne, defeated Lizzie Borden and Shane Douglas. Super Crazy defeated Malice. It's super Crazy Wrestling The mall, the Wall. <laughs> like, I guess it's a good like big guy Lucha sh- match. Uh, Southern Comfort, Chris Hamrick and Tracy Smothers defeated Angel and Shark Boy. Huba Guerrero defeated Danny Doring, and then Johnny Storm defeated Jerry Lynn. Do you find it interesting, like that Johnny Storm's working XPW and 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 Jody Flash is working CCW, <laughs> <laughs> uh. like and but yet probably anywhere else around the country they're together tag
2: teaming. Yeah.
0: Um. And then we have January 18th, 2003 here, uh, New Year's Revolution 3, the aftermath, as the first name was, New Year's Revolution 3. Uh, Chris Gagnino defeats Julio De Niro. Danny Doring defeats Sonny Siaki. Uh, in a uh, tables, ladders, and chairs match for the XBW World Tag title, uh, Euthanasia, uh, Josh Provision, Matt Cross defeated Mexico's Most Wanted, Demons to Say it, and Halloween, they win the titles there. XBW King of the Death matches title, uh, an I Quit match, Supreme defeated Justice Payne. Uh, Angel defeated Chris Hamrick. Sharkboy defeated Tracy Smothers. Malice defeated Judas. which Who is Judas? Okay, so that's Crowbar. Uh,
1: three-way. Yeah, that random new gimmick.
0: Jerry Lynn defeated Juventus Guerrero in Psychosis. XPW television title, Chaos beat Johnny Storm. And then in the XPW World title, uh, Shane Douglas defeats Vic Grimes. Uh, so and
1: then, and then CZW also ran... The 18th, which for some reason cage match lists that CW show is happening in the XPW arena, which obviously it didn't. And Dave doesn't. Dave just lists they their new building in Philadelphia, and doesn't list where. And we
0: could list those results. I mean, uh, just if you just to compare them together, you had Sanjay Dutt defeating uh, Chris Cash, Zbar and Greg Matthews beating Rick Feinberg and Hurricane Kid, Ian Knox beating Adam Flash, Nick Burke winning a gauntlet match over Derek Frazier, Towel Boy, Christian Wolf and Corey Castle, uh, Burke uh, defeating John Dahmer, Rick a Blade uh, beating GQ Money. Uh, so G- GQ Money. Has, Not CCW, yeah. he, he's jumped. He's jumped. Uh, Ruckus beating Trent Asin. Messiah beating Nick Gage, uh, Nate hatred winning a three way over Nick Mondo and Zandig. Um, so into Dave's uh, notes here, it appears. Uh, and, and by the way, if you if, for what day's reporting? Two sixty five the first night, XBW three fifty the second night, five hundred for CCWs. Yeah, they split the audience.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, because uh, you look at like, what they were drawn in Philadelphia. They, yeah, XPW just split the audience running both shows.
0: It uh, it appears that the uh, publicized regulations on so called hardcore wrestling in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, while announced by the commission in Pennsylvania and written into law in Jersey, aren't being enforced <laughs> at the Jersey All Pro Show. Uh, now we now we got. Uh, Frank involved here now on uh, January 18th and Woodbridge. Uh, the Homicide Balls Mahoney match included tons of weapons, including a barbed wire board as well as juice, and they had banned using the blade and barbed wire as
1: props. Where is Woodbridge? Oh, it's more. that's more towards New York, I think. It's northern New Jersey, yeah. Okay, because I'm like, is there another Fed running January 18th in the same area? Like, It's definitely oversaturated, but yeah, yeah that's northern.
0: Yeah, for Frank from Jersey All-Pro, like... He was almost like a New York City Fed, but obviously never ran New York. Just for got the talent he used and all that. Um, Philadelphia was at a week was again a weekend battle zone with XPW versus CCW feud. XPW tried running. Two straight nights at the Viking Hall, drawing 265 for the first night, 350 for the second night. Although for whatever worth, the athletic commission reported 102 paid for the second night. Once again, Dave, they don't want to pay taxes. Both nights said to be lacking in heat. Uh, they also got a leg up on anything WWE will do this year, as on the second night they did an angle where Chris Hamrick and, Je- and Tracy Smothers, who do a tag team called Southern Comfort, tried to pull the pants down on Angel and brought in gardening shears. Teasing the idea that they were going to cut his penis off. The idea would be bad enough on the surface, but it was clearly meant to mock the incident with Messiah. A former XPW wrestler now works for CCW and was attacked by two men who tried to cut his finger off and then attempted to cut his penis off. Well, two people can play that game. A few miles down a road, Messiah did a spot where he went to thumb Nick Gage in the eye, but it was no sold because he has no thumb. All right. We're, let me stop there real quick. <laughs> if you're a suspect, because he is, and once again, not saying Rob Black had anything to do with the hit with Messiah, never have been proven. But he was a suspect. I mean, clearly Messiah suspected him by that America's Most Wanted episode. So if you're
1: a suspect of that,
0: why would you do an angle of that on your wrestling show?
1: to throw off suspicion?
0: I guess. <laughs> And then by 2003, it's pretty unanimous in the wrestling world that the chop off your your PP angle from WWE was awful. And yet here we are doing it. Why are we doing this? Not just for content, but why are we doing this when people are are accusing you that you did this in real life?
1: To get the internet talking.
0: I, it's. I don't describe the, any publicity as good publicity. If you have too much, if you have a ton of bad
1: publicity, it's awful. As we've explained now three episodes. You finally got me triggered.
2: <laughs> I didn't <laughs> it, get you triggered. You didn't get
0: me triggered, but it took a year. <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> oh. I gotta say though. The Messiah Nick Gage thing, I love. I absolutely love that. Um, anyways, XBW flew in a lot of talent from around North America since their roster for both nights included uh, Danny Doring, Sonny Siaki, Chris Canino, Tammy Sitch, Halloween, Damian Super Crazy, Chetty. Hamrick, Smothers, Sharkboy, Malice, David Storm, Hoovy, Psychosis, Jerry Lynn, Johnny, Storm from England, and headlining with Shane Douglas versus Vic Grimes feud. The first night saw a finish where Grimes was supposed to powerbomb Douglas's valet, Lizzie Borden, uh, on over the top rope through a table. Borden missed the table oh, to break her fall and landed hard on the floor. Ooh. It was announced that she suffered a broken rib, punctured lung, and a concussion, and bruised heart. But at the, this point, who can believe anything from xvw even if it's true?
1: Bruised heart—it's kind of like <laughs> like she was heartbroken. I mean, I guess your heart can get bruised. Like it's, it's—it's a muscle. So,
0: I, um, she ended up coming uh, out for the finish the next night, screwing Grimes. Uh, not literally, although I guess it would be
1: possible this promotion.
0: That's like an Alvarez comment that Meltzer's saying there.
1: Meltzer gets salty towards X, <laughs> yeah. towards XPW during the this era.
0: Uh, because it, I think Meltzer really like favored Ring of Honor what they were doing and I think he didn't like they're coming in and kind of muddying the waters, you know. Um But uh <laughs> it's, it's, All right, anyway. So, uh she <laughs> All right. So uh, anyways, on the first night, a lot of CCW fans uh, came and did CCW chances mentioned last week. One of the CCW's top names, Justice Payne, jumped from XPW for more money. He lost twice to Supreme in death matches, the second being an I quit match uh, with the screwjob finish of Supreme asking him if he wanted to take more punishment. And when Payne said yes, the ref thought he meant he wanted to quit and stop the match. CZW fans uh, weren't there the second night since CZW debuted in its new arena in Philadelphia, uh, which drew 500 fans. Uh, with the commission not allowing barbed wire and light tubes, they used thumbtack wiffle bats, tables with nails, mouse traps, and 12,350 thumbtacks in the Zandig vs. Nate Hatred vs. Nick Mondo main event. They aren't going head-to-head next month as CZW has February 8th booked, XPW has February 14th and 15th booked, which means the second night will go head-to-head with 3PW. Uh by the way, Blue Meanie's Street b w will start in a new location in Philadelphia since the exclusive XPW lease uh signed at Viking Hall. They move on February fifteenth to the electric factory, a concert hall, headlined by Terry Funk vs. Sabu.
1: Um so yeah, all I find up for that on Cage Match is just called the new CZW Arena. But they've used the name C Z W Arena so much over the years that I can't even Google it to pinpoint. Where it is. But obviously it's within it's not Jersey, it's within Philly.
0: So I wanna talk about something here that like I never now that we know the real story is what we do on this show, mouse traps. I remember there being a a surge of mouse traps being used in matches in this time period. Never really before. And they don't really aren't really used now. It looks like it was like it was a way to get around the commission. Yeah, because they said no light tubes.
1: Yeah, so, so we're like, gonna
0: do mouse traps. So that I find that fascinating. Maybe it's just me that's fascinating. No, by that.
1: it is. It the is que- weird looking
0: that the brief run of mouse traps.
1: That I think creativity in death matches really came about because of restrictions from athletic commissions. Where if they tell you you can't use light tubes, you can't use barbed wire, you become creative and use weed whackers and use mouse traps.
0: And the weed whacker is a thing, too. You don't see often. That was, you know, Uh, February 3rd, 2003, IWA Mid-South drew the largest crowd in history. About 350 fans for his three hundred show in Clarksville, Indiana on January 24th. Promoter John Williams, uh, Ian Rodden had an opening ceremony for about for the six hour long show honoring American kickboxer who announced his retirement as he needed knee surgery, which he couldn't afford. Tracy Smothers, who noted he's had 24 concussions during his 20-year career, and Harley Race, who told a story to lead a 10-bell salute to the Sheik. They also announced a working agreement with XPW and said that the planned mystery opponent for Jerry Lynn on the show was Shane Douglas, but that Douglas didn't get his plane ticket
1: in time, so he wasn't there.
0: Uh, It's like that relationship's working well. Yeah,
1: I just I included that in the notes just because of the uh the announced working relationship with XPW. So uh yeah, just trying to work with a Fed in the Midwest. That's not a bad idea.
0: And folks, we just wanna kinda of paint the picture here. It you know, they get the ECW arena, you look at these names. We are really close to the end here for XPW. Like it, it it doesn't seem like it is, but we are really close to the end. As far as they're running a the, lot of shows, promotion. yeah. Um, Feb- and then and it leads into this next thing, which is just crazy. February tenth, two thousand three, XPW announced working agreements with four promotions: Revolution Pro Los Angeles, IW Mid South in Clarksville, Indiana, Heritage Wrestling in Pennsylvania, which will also be allowed to book shows at Viking Hall, and the and War Zone Wrestling in Tampa Bay. The basic gist is that XBW will send wrestlers to appear in each of these group shows. Chris Hamill could work as a talent scout at the HWA show. Uh, in Heritage, by the way. Uh, Danny Doring would fulfill a similar role at the WCW show, WZW show I'm sorry, in Tampa, Tampa Bay. I don't believe that XBW is offering any financial assistance to any of these groups as much as XPW is sending its wrestlers to some of the group shows. The newspaper in Tijuana reported that the X-Loom promotion has been approved by the commission for a date in the auditorio in April and that they would also be working with XPW.
1: That's not dumb. Like I said, like you're it's good to have a a group of promotions that you can work together with and share talent and it's a coincidence that they're all deathmatch feds.
0: We have seen it though <clears throat> that this has happened when a promotion's getting nervous, do you know what I mean? Or promotions are getting nervous, like they're they have big competition, and it's almost an act of desperation. Different than what we see nowadays. Nowadays, the I mean, it seems like we have this giant web of working agreement between AEW, New Japan, Impact, NWA, and AAA. Like it's, just, it's just this big web of agreement. Um, but AWA is what comes to my mind in the 80s. And Vern was getting nervous. Vince was ru- ruling the world. Vern's yeah. houses were going down. He took Vin- Vern's stars. World Class was starting to lose business. Memphis was starting to, you know, lose business too. And the three of them got together and tried to be like an alliance. And it, it didn't
1: work out because it's just a bunch of promoters with their own philosophies. That's It's service this day, <laughs> You know? But um, and the thing that like confuses me with this is the working agreement with Revolution Pro in Los Angeles. So, did they not have any plans to run Los Angeles anymore? They were always friendly with Rev Pro, though, because they like if we, they're not they're not Rev Pro wasn't a
0: deathmatch company no, either. That's no, the thing. The, like Rev Pro is pretty much the predecessor to Pro Wrestling Grilla. Like, yeah. They um, weren't doing death m- the early the early PWG, yeah. They weren't doing deathmatch.
1: So like, yeah. who can they? What, what type of working agreement? Like, what talent could they trade back and forth? Because they weren't a deathmatch company. They were grades great fed. So that's like, a, that's a weird situation. Well, I guess like Red Pro's last show in two thousand four did have Mexico's Most Wanted on the show. So I'm a, i am I can see like a few guys and really like. Uh, agreements like this, like working arrangements like this, also work for overseas talents. That's where you come in That's where they come in handy.
0: I in our APW episode to try to get some of those NOAA talents.
1: Yeah. So you bring in a guy from Japan, an overseas talent to come in, and you're running Revolution Pro runs Los Angeles one weekend, IWA Mid South runs the other weekend, Heritage runs, and then XPW runs. You can get, you you can spread the cost of flying in a talent. So th- that's where that can, that's, that's where that can, you can benefit from that.
0: So we, we have a uh, February uh, 14th here, XPW, my bloody Valentine, <laughs> XPW world tag title, at euthanasia a prohibition cross defeated Candino and Chetty. Uh, Iw B mids. So the IWA mid South heavyweight title, <laughs> Chris hero defeats Salem. So another uh, that's f- Stefan storm. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well I don't know if I, I just I spoil that if you go into that, but I noticed that's uh yeah. he's, he's
0: just using he's just trying different names here. Salem, Judas, like uh we Chris Hero is an XPW. Fun fact. Uh XPW European title. Why I don't even think WWE is using a European title at this point. Uh psychosis to beat Simon Diamond. So you
1: put the bout on someone that's not from Europe.
0: <laughs> Neither guys were from
1: Put it on put it on
0: freaking um John oh Johnny Storm. Yeah, put it on yeah. Justice, <laughs> Justice Uh Payne defeated Supreme, Vic Grimes defeated Danny Doring, the Mexico's Most Wanted, uh defeated Christian New York and Joey Matthews, XBW television title, Chaos defeats Shark Boy, uh XPW European title first round, Jerry Lynn defeated Chris Hamrick, and then Huba Guerrero defeated Johnny Storm. Well, once again, folks, I've said it before in this episode. This is the best product they're putting on because they can't do the death matches because they're in Philadelphia. So they can't do all the crazy stuff they were doing. Yeah. Maybe some of the angles with Rob Black and Lizzie Bourne and stuff, but for pers- like take the XPW name off, just, just take it off. And what's to say, I'm running, I'm running, you know, premier championship wrestling. And I tell you, I got Josh Provision, Matt Crossers, Crance Candino and Chris Chetty. I got Chris hero and crowbar. I got psychosis and Simon diamond Let's just take Justice Payne Supreme out. I got. Oh, I'm gonna have Vic Grimes, Danny Doring. I'm gonna have Sasa St. Halloween, Yorkie Matthews. I'm gonna have Chaos or Shark Boy, versus Hamrick, and Hoovy versus Johnny Storm. Does that not sound like your typical stacked early 2000s indie cards? Yeah, like the product wasn't awful in that. In in, in ring, yes, yeah, storylines, absolutely. But in ring, you know, storylines as probably wasn't the best. In ring, look at it. It it's apps. This is why. Yes, I understand why XPW. This I'm not an XPW apologist, but I'm not. I'm not going to bury XPW in this grave that it that it's had. Yes, did they do a lot of lot of things that were controversial and a lot of questionable things? Yes, and we talk and we 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 we're talk, we're talking about them on the show. But they it wasn't. They're they're putting on a better show than CZW and IW Mid South. Yeah, they're not your typical deathmatch fed. I mean, look at it. They. I mean, they're putting on dream matches. They're putting on, they're basically putting on similar, like, Ring of Honor-esque matches. Like, you know, just, but with names at that time.
1: Anyways. Yeah. So, with. and uh, I do want to say, I just, it came to mind because of the Hoovie thing. We did mi- we kind of missed it because it w- it did happen in August of 2002. But the, the juice bar, the, uh, the Hooventude promo from XPW, from the ECW arena, XPW arena. Uh, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen the Juice Bar to uh, seek that out on YouTube. Oh yeah,
0: it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh. Um. All right, here. So, see, so yeah, guys. So we have that February fourteenth, and then. You know, obviously it was reported that they were going to run the 14th and the 15th, but they actually don't run their next show until uh, February 20th. But we do have some notes on the show uh, from Dave. There are more and more signs of XBW being in trouble besides Sandman leaving for TNA, which TNA is running on Wednesdays. He's not leaving you. He can run your shows. Uh, Justice Payne, who just quit CCW, and GQ Money reportedly approached TNA about jobs. Uh, they canceled the February fifteenth show in Philadelphia, citing bad weather. It's expected one or two inches of snow, while bad in some parts of the country is considered a regular deal for a city like Philadelphia. Yeah, that's, that's a cop out. Yep, uh, they're running. A, they ran on fe- February fourteenth, drawing about a hundred and fifty fans. For that lineup, I said earlier, folks, that lineup, I just told you, which tells you all you need to know, while uh, flying wrestlers from all over the country, uh, for people who had tickets on February 15th, they offered refunds, t-shirts or DVDs to make up the difference. Most choi- chose to get reimbursed with t-shirts or DVDs. They were, uh. That was announced right before the to Guerrero vs. Johnny Storm main event. More than half the crowd was at the gimmick table and almost nobody, like a dozen people or most, were paying attention to the match. Which was unfortunate because both busted their ass and had a good match. In fact, one person called it unbelievable match and nobody saw. Uh, Guerrero seemed to have woken up from the fact that he was uh, flushing his God-given talent down the toilet over the last plus year. And he had looked down uh, looked good two straight weekends. They had matches continue for the European tournament with Psychos like over Simon Diamond, and Jerry Lynn defeated Chris Hamrick. Uh, so three guys uh, uh, are left of those two uh, who will wrestle on February 28th in Los Angeles with a winner-facing storm for the title at March 16th in Broxburn, England. So they they
1: so they so talked about running an England show. They were going to go to England.
0: Uh, For people who remember the old Tammy Sitch, it was surreal during the Diamond vs. Psychosis match. She was standing in line among the fans to buy a beer. and No one even noticed or paid attention. Chris Candino worked a match in his t-shirt while Sitch appeared to look like she just rolled out of bed. They didn't announce a return date and insisted instead ran an an opening angle and build a match for February 28th in Los Angeles. Shane Douglas opened a, the show giving a speech about WWE business being in a toilet, which is its unintentional humor uh, being spoken in front of 150 fans. Justin Credible then came out and gave a speech about how WWE had held him back, leading to an altercation with Credible laying out Douglas to set an XBW title match. There was also an angle involving jo- Jonah Alderman from Tough Enough. I remember Jonah. Uh, it was set up uh, with a... Tough J- Enough 2 or 3? I think, too. It was an early one of okay. J-Love looking for a guy who could give her protection from Pogo the clown. Julio De Niro came out, at, uh, and as a gag, when talking about protection, they found condoms in his pocket. Of course, XBW. Uh, anyway, Pogo hit the ring, and De Niro hid behind J-Love. De Niro ran uh, away, but J-Love escaped. As Pogo was leaving, Jonah announced right before this took place, everyone knew an angle was coming. Uh, Padded uh, Pogo on the back like a fan. Pogo then attacked him. He gave Jonah a comeback, including uh, getting a big pop for a body slam before Pogo destroyed him and left him laying. 3PW uh, report, uh, drew a report reported 709 fans. So 3PW's up with the new venue.
1: Well, next sentence. So for whatever it's
0: worth, our live reports estimate... From three to five hundred, still,
1: but still more than fifty.
0: Yeah, Uh, uh, on February fifteenth in its new location, the Electric Factory in Philadelphia. Wait, so
1: they ran two fifteen during a snowstorm during one to two inches. Yeah, Yeah, that snowstorm
0: really affected them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, Terry Funk beats Pinsebu at six fifteen in a bloodbath involving chairs and tables, and ended with a pile driver on a table. Uh, In an interesting match, they put a rival Ring of Honor's champ Xavier in. Uh, with both Raven and 3PW champ Gary Wolf ending with Raven pinned Xavier and then Wolf pinned Raven. Said to be pretty bad, uh, Nicole Bass worked the show, although she didn't wrestle and instead did a wet t-shirt contest, which sounds... uh well, I don't, I'm gonna skip Dave's thing. On it. The gimmick is that ba- Bass scared all the judges, which included local wrestling columnist Michael Tierson and three PW Booker Todd Gordon, into voting for her. They were making snide comments during the show about the weather, since it was the night XBW had to cancel because of bad weather. Um, and then now we'll uh, we we so so we will talk about XBW uh, February 20th in North Hills, California, and it's uh, Team Futura. Fin- Bobby Quantz and Jardy France defeated the Aerial Express, Quicksilver, and Sorbio Sky. So now we're back to our California locals. Uh, XPW yeah. European title, uh, first round Super Crazy defeat Chris Ganito. Vic Grimes defeating Raven. Southern Comfort, Chris Amick and Tracy Smutters defeating Mexico's Most Wanted. XPW King of the Deathmatches title, uh, Supreme defeating Justice Payne. Johnny Storm defeating Crowbar. XPW World Tag title, uh, Josh Purvish and Matt Cross defeating Angel and Boy uh Jerry Lynn defeating Hubert Guerrero X TV title X defeated Chaos with GQ Money and uh that was X-Pac uh and then Shane Douglas defeated Just Incredible in the main event so X-Pac becomes the TV champion in his first night there and then uh they did run three days later, March first, two thousand three. Also in California's the My Bloody Valentine Day tour, um, where uh, the uh, Actually, I'm the sorry, next day, the yeah. next day, yeah, February, man, the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm thinking a couple of days because I'm thinking a normal month, uh, February. Yeah, February twenty. So it was March first, and it was uh, Josh Prohibition, Matt Cross defeating Team Ventura, or Fritura. Um We had Vic Grimes defeating Crowbar. Uh, Johnny and Daphne was with Vic Grimes, Alterboy Luke or Crowbar. Johnny Storm defeating Alterboy Luke. Angel and Sharkboy defeating the Ariel Express, Quicksilver, Scorpio Sky, XPW European title. Second round, Jerry Lynn defeating Super Crazy, Justice Payne uh, beating Chris Candino. Best two out of three falls match, Southern Comfort, defeating Mesco's Most Wanted, X defeating Uvitsu Guerrero to retain the TV title, Justin Credible beating Shane Douglas by DQ in a World Heavyweight title match. And then a King of the Death match, Barbed Wire Death because they get to use their Barbed Wire again. Supreme defeats Ian Rodden. So this working relationship with Mid-South, it shows. I mean, we had Hero pop up, and now Ian
1: Rodden is popping up. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so... And I am I looked it up. North Hills, California is... It's north of LA. Uh, it's just, just north of Van Nuys. So kind of San Fernando Valley. Um, I th- Running the X Park, I think the X Park is still there um, from what I'm seeing. And it just it's what you expect something called X park to be is just an open field basically. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, Nope, Nope. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's a building actually is a FedEx shipping center right now. (laughs) So, but still like, uh, it looks similar. There's some houses around, but it looks like more of an industrial zone around there. So that's power for the course for XPW at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're still in California. They're still putting on good matches, and they are not going to a lot of their typical like deathmatch match guys. But man, they got it. They had to
1: get that barbed wire in. Um, I mean, they they took quite some time off, and really the that the February fourteenth show was actually their last show in Philly.
0: Yeah, which, which so
1: we'll eventually get to that notes. But yeah. like so, uh. Like February fourteenth and February twenty eighth, they obviously had these two California shows booked ahead of time because you don't you don't just book a show less than two weeks out in in California. So I wonder if like, obviously he had plans to continue to run Philadelphia, but it's just weird that not he didn't even try anything else after that. But I guess we go to the next note so you understand why.
0: So uh, we'll we'll start with uh, March 2003, more woes for XPW as the group lost its TV in Philadelphia, apparently being late in paying bills after not getting any new tapes at the station in recent weeks. Similar, uh, New Orleans hadn't aired a new show in a few weeks. They've announced Mark Madden will be debuting the group as they will run a house show in Pittsburgh as a color commentator.
1: Uh, that's smart because he's still on the radio. You can like that.
0: And he, I think he's still writing news columns, too.
1: So
0: uh, March 10, 2003, XPW's three-year exclusive lease on Viking Hall in Philadelphia ended this past week, less than two months into the lease. XPW was paying uh, $8,000 a month for the lease, but with the company's apparent financial problems, which included losing TV in Philadelphia for not paying their TV bills, canceling their last house show, and several wrestlers looking for work elsewhere, believing it's going down, they they were booted out. Reportedly, they've also violated their lease by holding concerts prior to the last two shows. CZW is moving back uh, in from the CCW Arena to the building on March 8th. Uh, 3PW is staying at the Electric Factory, which, from those attending the show, is a much far better location. XPW did run shows on February 8th and March 3rd at their new location called X Park. In Los Angeles, which included a lot of former major names, they drew 450 fans the next night and 550 the second. The first night was headlined by Shane Douglas over Justin Credible to retain the XBW title. A, a rematch of uh, the second night saw Credible uh, win via DQ. X-Pac built under um, the name XB Chaos to win the TV title uh, the first night. And the second night, uh, he retained it by pinning Hoover to Guerrero. Uh, and another Jerry Lynn win over Guerrero was said to be a show stealer on the first night. And Super Crazy, uh, who advanced and determined over one over Candino, a Raven, Tra- Tracy Smothers, Johnny Storm, and others worked the show. Mar- Mark Man was saying that he never agreed to announce on our Pittsburgh show, <laughs> even though the company announced. It he what?
1: <laughs> well, uh, so that I mean, Mark Man Mark said- Mann
0: thing uh, backfired.
1: <laughs> well, men said he never agreed, but did they even talk to him? That's the thing. I assume that they reached out to him in classic indie wrestling. Uh, where you reach out, to, you send someone an email saying, are you interested? They say, I'm interested in, in taking your money. And then the Fed just automatically promotes it as this person's coming in when they never really talked about money or dates or what they're doing. Yeah. You know, when some people decide to try to run feds and try to book agents and and say, like, I sent an email and this person, th- this this top name wants to work for me like no you said i want to give you money to work for my company yes or no
0: uh so march thir- <laughs> march 8, 2003 which is the last of this run of XBW shows. They do pop up a little bit after, and we're, we're going to get to that in our part four, because there's going to be a part four, folks. <laughs> but uh, we have Julio De Niro uh, defeating, and this is at the Golden Dome in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I, I'm sure Shane Douglas had the connection with that. I think
1: Golden Dome was where ECW ran, yep, too. And that, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Douglas, uh, if you listen to Shane in shooting interviews, he's talked about that, that, that was he got the venue for ECW and worked on that it was he was basically a local promoter for those shows so yeah i could see that i could see this being the same thing of him telling rob black i can get you a building we can we can run a show here
0: uh julio denaro defeated chris chetty uh, Vic grimes defeated Boy luke uh crowbar defeated Vic grimes expedited world tag titles uh, josh prohibition and matt cross defeated christian york and danny Doring and southern comfort of hammer against mothers xpw king of the deathmatch title supreme defeats angel Justice Payne defeats Chris Candido in a four way. Jerry Lynn defeated Johnny Storm and Hoover Carrera and Shark Boy, and an XPW World Heavyweight Title. Shane Douglas retains against Just Incredible.
1: So, and according to the Observer, it's listed as XPW Pay Per View taping. <laughs> I- <laughs> So fuck it, that's just go on pay per view. And apparently
0: 50, they drew fifteen hundred. So
1: And I I tend to believe their best draw I tend all to believe time. that. Yeah, Shane Douglas that probably would've came from Shane, and uh he's not one to exaggerate. But also ECW always ran well in Pittsburgh. So it's understandable Pittsburgh's always been a great wrestling town.
0: So we have the notes from the observer here. XBW is claiming to run a pay per view in May, which was Tate. On March 8th, but the Pittsburgh. It so it was is. supposed to be a house show, and now it's a pay per view taping. Because of the work of Shane Douglas as a local promoter, they drew 1,500 fans for their debut in the market for a show uh, described as uh, disappointing, as the crowd wasn't much into anyone on the show except for Douglas and Jerry Lynn. Douglas opened, telling the crowd that if they're sick of WWE, XPW is the place to come. Uh, Julio De Niro pinned Chris Jenny in a match with lots of boring and jobber chants, with uh, Chetty getting busted open accidentally. Vic Grimes pinned Alter Boy Luke in a match where Grimes juiced after a kick to the face. Uh, this led to uh, Crowbar attacking Grimes to set up a decent singles match um, uh, that the crowd did like, with Luke interfering to lead to uh, Crowbar's win. Grimes got a big ovation. Chaos was scheduled to face uh, X Pac, but he no showed. Manager GQ Money, GQ Money's back, came <laughs> on and dressed as X Pac, and they basically buried him. Uh, it didn't take long for him in that company. Uh, Dog 20 and uh, Um, Josh Prohibition kept the tag titles over Smothers and Hamrick's and York and Doring. A lot of high-flying and messed-up spots. The top rope snapped during the match and we're told Smothers and Hamrick as the uh, vets did a great job holding the match together after trying to fix the top rope with the new rope that turned out to be too short. Supreme came out and said that they don't need a top rope for his match with Angel. Supreme juiced and Ian Rodden tried to run in. Uh, They used vinyl records as a weapon and finished with Supreme throwing Angel off the balcony, which he barely skimmed the side of the table designed to break his fall. He was carried off and appeared to be hurt. They switched to the bottom rope with the top rope so that the rest of the show was done with no bottom rope. Uh,
1: Classic, classic indie wrestling. (laughs) Pay-per-view. Justice uh, (laughs) Bade. Whose ring was that?
0: (laughs) Pay-per-view. By the way, if I remember, sometimes it all goes together. Didn't they have, like, a broken rope on their first show? Did they? Yeah. <laughs> it, all, it, all, it all comes together. It's all for, for a sucker. Oh, um, Justice up, uh, Pain uh, uh, pinned Chris Candido after Tammy Sitch. Turn on Candido. Candido got on the house mic and said he was embarrassed that he's wrestling with a t-shirt on, but he's out of shape after being injured. Sitch did a promo blaming Candido for ruining the last 13 years of her life. Be, uh, but, be, but before she could finish, Pogo the Clown came out and destroyed her. Jerry uh
1: What, what that's that's open-ended. Like what does yes. that mean?
0: <laughs> like verbally, or did he just beat the crap out of her? Uh Lynn uh won a four-way uh, over Huba to Guerrero, Johnny Storm, and Shark Boy. Guerrero blew his knee out during the match. Man, if, man, if they were gonna go out, they were gonna mm-hmm. go out like uh main event was Douglas as the local hero pinning just incredible to keep the XPW title with a belly-to-belly. Uh, credible jumped him afterwards and attacked his knee. No shows advertised include Xbox, super crazy, Simon diamond, Joey Matthews, Lucy, uh, uh, Grimes, which was, um, Daphne Halloween, Damien, and even announcer, Mark Madden chaos, uh, money and J love who also no show the, the card all quit the company after the show, even though they were, uh, taped, uh, even though a taped pay per view eliminates a lot of the cost, nobody buys taped wrestling pay per views. Funniest spot was in the three way. Hammerick set up a table spot for M Dog. Smothers didn't notice and started breaking down the table as Hammerick was about to hit the spot. Hammerick yelled at him and Smothers dropped the table. Then he was able to get the table reset for more than 30 seconds. Everybody started laughing.
1: Right. buys taped wrestling pay per views? I don't know about that. Like, that's this is the. Like, Meltzer was a tape trader our video made a lot of money. Ring of Honor made a lot of money. And 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 you know, you call it a taped pay-per-view, but it's basically a house show that you're just putting on tape.
0: And if the costs are low and like look at all these things we saw in the 2000s like you know, UWF, the Urban Wrestling Federation or just the brawls and blood, where they like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like low cost and they're putting them on there like, you know. Yeah. Um so you know, Ash and I, we've decided we are going to do, we know part four is, that's it. But we are going to have a fourth part where we are going to get into the indictment of Rob Black, the legacy of XPW, the reunion and return of XPW, and still to this day, you hear rumblings that XPW can come back, and what's Rob Black really doing now? Well, we know.
1: (laughs) Not a lot of people know, but we know. We know.
0: He is a very local connection. Um, Rob Black it, like like you know, we've mentioned a little previous, so Rob Black lives about an hour, to an hour and a half away from where we are located.
1: Well, where you're recording, he lives about yes. 17 minutes from my house. So, yeah, he lives <laughs> very close to you.
0: Yeah. So so yeah. Um, but just to recap this show, I mean, a lot of it was the war. I mean first off the New Jack Bounce Shack and the Messiah, the Messiah incident really blow it up and the war for the ECW arena with CCW Ring of Honor and 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 now it comes to the end the demise the the Pittsburgh show being a pay-per-view taping in the broken yeah. ring and
1: I mean it's kind of a spoiler cuz they, they do go for a few months trying to run again but yeah Pittsburgh is the the last official show.
0: That's the last official show other than like the, there's like a reunion show and there was talk- I think a
1: reunion show later on I don't yeah Rob Black wouldn't have been involved in those yeah, and then we'll
0: we'll talk about like other stuff that was discussed over the years we'll we'll talk about that on on the next show but so for we want to thank you guys for continuing this journey with us uh and like I said, we're gonna do one more part of x b w once again you could check out all our social media uh r t i pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook's rediscovering the Indies. And we have been doing uh, this day in independent wrestling history every day, which reminds me, I got to put up today's. So <laughs> I've been doing this day in independent wrestling every day. So you kind of get to know, oh, wow, that happened on this day. It's, it's a pretty cool fact. Um, and then, of course, tell all your friends to listen to us. We want to thank all the listeners. We've been charting in, on the Apple Podcast charts for wrestling MMA in England, Australia, Germany, as well and, and Canada. Um, as well as the united states so thank you all for listening uh and as far as upcoming uh upcoming bookings uh nothing nothing that's really an advertised show uh for a little bit uh until you know we'll be pairing some stuff in the summer but uh
1: yeah new york is still uh shut down for wrestling for for the time being but i'm pretty confident that's going to change soon with how everything's opening back up
0: i know in july you can catch me at nfw we'll give you more details on that um but uh any uh, final thoughts or anything you uh, want to plug ash?
1: no uh, it's been ex- it's a lot of a lot of notes, a lot of uh, a lot of things going on there with with XPw and like I said, we have reached the end of them running shows, but we've not reached the end of XPw. There is a lot more in the notes backstage that's going to be very, very interesting for part four
0: and uh, if you love hearing my angelic voice. I also do appear on WrestleNomics Radio every week, usually about a Monday morning release, so you can check out me and Brandon Thurston breaking down the business of professional wrestling and the craziness that happens in 2021, <laughs> compared, especially with knowing all the knowledge of the craziness here. So, uh, guys, we want to thank you for listening. We're this is uh, going to release. Uh, like I said, you'll be hearing it from us uh, uh, mid, mid to late May, and then we will be back with our final part of XPW here on Rediscovering the Indies. Want to thank the BSCPB Radio Network and the podcast precinct for always hosting us, uh, and we want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week here. Support. Uh, independent wrestling and this is Rediscovering the Indies Better call somebody! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the BICBP Radio Network proudly brings to you its podcast tag team champions of the world! The Nightmare Derek Jaws, Rotten Jack Gene Williams, the hosts of Common Debauchery! And if
2: you're not down with that, We got two words for you.